Welcome back to another episode of Horror Cats and Witch Hats. It's Katie and Izzy, and this is kind of a special uh, special episode. I'm really excited about this one. Yeah, we are amongst podcast royalty as far as we're concerned, and the rest of the world, basically. <laughs> yes. Uh, Lucy, go ahead. Introduce yourself. Oh, I'm Lucy from Wine and Crime, and uh, I'm really excited to be here because I'm into Horror Cats and Witch Hats. So when I got your email, I was like, yes, <laughs> haven't read it yet. Yes. <laughs> We're so excited. This is That's so cool. I love hearing that. I have been yeah. telling everybody I know who probably doesn't actually even listen to our podcast that you're coming on the show and they're equally as excited. <laughs> so I was telling All my good. listeners about it. So I'm hoping that some of them tune in because some of them forgot I had a podcast and told me I need to talk about it more. So <laughs> we haven't been as regular with the postings since I found out I was moving. It got a little wild, <laughs> but we're yeah. back. We're doing it. Um, we're getting on track again. And this episode is coming out the Halloween day of October 31st. Ooh, I'm so good, excited. Good timing I'm sad for it's on, the topic. I'm sad it's on a Tuesday, though. Eh. Yeah, that's kind of weird. It'll be okay. It's hard. It's hard for me to celebrate when I have to go to work at five a.m. <laughs> that just means you have more time to celebrate because everybody else is sleeping. Yeah, right. Just start earlier. <laughs> just don't sleep. It's fine. Yeah. Halloween. Don't sleep. Yeah. And then uh, Lucy picked our movie actually, and it turned out to be a fantastic pick. Um, I sure did. <laughs> in your email, you were like, "I'll watch it for an eleventh time." <laughs> hey, oh, that's, that's how you know how it's a good movie. This morning, oh, welcome, yeah. welcome to my uh, ADHD of re uh, rewatching movies consistently. Um, I have made both my husband and my brother hate certain movies because I've watched them too many times with them around. It's great. There are certain there are certain movies where you pick new things up every single time, and for me, this is one of them. Oh yeah, I had to watch it a couple of times to fully understand it too, so that also brought my attention into it a lot. Yeah, I had to like Google it. There's a lot to, mm -hmm. there's a lot to dive into. Oh yeah. Um, so the listeners can follow. We're talking about Hereditary from 2018. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we should always introduce. We always do that. We're we get the worst. About the movie, and then we forget to introduce it. Uh, welcome to our work ethic here. Uh, yeah, Hereditary, two thousand eighteen. It's great. I don't know if this is streaming anywhere in the U.S. Um, I had to buy it on uh, Prime, so it's I on... watched it on Max. Yeah, yeah, that's it's on Max. Yeah, I'm learning that uh, like German or European streaming services have lots of different things. Like Netflix has everything here. It's fantastic. <laughs> that makes yeah. me super jealous. <laughs> but uh, so Hereditary, directed by directed and written by Ari Aster. Uh, we talked about him when we did Midsummer. He is crazy. He's, love him. He's yeah. such a creepy freak. I love it. I love all of his movies. He, oh yeah recently released a new one or it like just came out or something i think it's called bow i wrote it Bo was afraid. afraid. yes mm -hmm. i want to see it so bad i haven't seen it yet but uh because i normally wait till things come out on streaming because i am cheap <laughs> i rented it so i could watch it at home so i could pause at my leisure but um right it's it's definitely not i mean midsummer hereditary both very scary movies uh bow is afraid wasn't 
wasn't scary, but it was really kind of eerie. There are, you can definitely tell that it's like a some uh, the same director. There's some similarities, but it's it was it's a weird fucking movie. <laughs> I can swear, sure. right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm I'm an <laughs> avid sailor swearer. It's it's I've been told to control my mouth, but oh. you know, it's a sign of intelligence. Just let it out. Yes, fuck is my favorite word. It's used in so many contexts. It can be a fucking a, a, a verb, an ad lib, an adjective, or whatever it is, a noun. It can be mm -hmm. everything. Yeah, absolutely. A qualifier. Exactly. Uh, so Ari Aster, yeah. crazy man. Is it Oster? Is that how you pronounce it? I, I think it's Ari Aster. I don't know how to pronounce things. That's what I've heard, so we're going to go off of that. Mm -hmm. um, so one of his directing hallmarks is including themes of mental illness, mystical lore, traditions, culty vibes. Um, doesn't sound like that really qualifies for Bo is Afraid. Is that true? Uh, mental illness, for sure. He's like kind of um, agoraphobic. Okay. Oh, interesting. And just like Bo is Afraid. He's totally neurotic and just a kind of a weirdo. It's... I was not fully paying attention when I watched it, so don't take my word for any of this, but there is, like, the world is scary, agoraphobia, doesn't want to go outside, a very sensitive man. <laughs> so okay. I would say, yes, there's a, there's a good amount of mental illness theme in that movie as well. That's fair. Um, Joaquin yeah. Phoenix is pretty good at those kind of parts, so that makes sense. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> he sure is. Um, in an interview with, uh, I didn't write who it was with, but it was done by Todd Vanderwerf, which is quite the name. There's so many capital letters in that last name. Yeah, there are. Um, Ari Aster said uh, that one thing he loves about genre filmmaking in general, and certainly the horror genre, is that you can take thematic material that may be harder for some people to digest, i.e. like mental illness and trauma, uh, or material that you want to talk honestly about without having to compromise whatever your message might be or without the same risk of losing an audience. Um, and then he goes on to talk about some more, I don't know, smart people stuff. Uh, but he said ultimately he did want to make a film that was seriously tackling these issues and operating almost as a meditation on these things, while at the same time functioning as an exciting genre film that hopefully delivers. I loved it because going back to that theme of mental illness and the title of the movie, Hereditary, obviously a lot of illness, mental illness gets passed down through generations. Oh, yeah. But then the, the horror part, like crux of this movie is that it's a, it's a cult that has to do with generational like sacrifices. So all the men in the... The main character, uh, Tony Collette, amazing. What a jewel. Yes. Agreed. Her, so her father starved himself to death. It, her brother had, quote unquote, had schizophrenia, but then kind of come to find out he probably did not, that all this shit was really happening. He hanged himself. She tried to abort her son, which didn't work, and then her husband dies. It's like all the men in the family are all fucked up. And like the women are sort of the second choice carriers for the demon that is payment that kind of comes out at the end. But yeah, all that is hereditary and patriarchal. 
<laughs> yeah, I included fucking patriarchy quite a few <laughs> bits in here. <laughs> a lot of fucking patriarchy in this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much Ari Aster in a nutshell. Because uh, we kind of talked about a midsummer, so I'm not gonna beat it with a dead horse or whatever that phrase is. Uh, so we'll just dive right into the film. Um, I did one of my favorite things is like those misleading synopses that people make. Um, so like, I don't know if you've ever read those, but like for Disney movies specifically, they're pretty funny. There's one for Finding Nemo where it's like neurotic dad loses his child and can't find him or something like that. Um, <laughs> but my misleading synopses for this film was a community rallies to reunite a mother with her daughter. Uh, <laughs> Basically finding Nemo, but with more mommy issues is basically how I'm going to describe it. That's beautiful. And Nemo is fully dead. <laughs> we don't know that. It's fine. There is a theory that like Nemo, I think, got eaten by that thing. And all of it is just like Merlin, Marlin, whatever his name is, not being able to like process the trauma of losing his entire family. Oh my god. Okay. Well, that's a new light on that movie. Yeah, there's a yeah, whole for lot real. Of... Shit. Yeah, we should do like a 30-minute episode of just all the children movies that people have created the darkest backstories. Well, I think for. of I think of Winnie the Pooh and each character is based off of mental illness. Yeah, totally. You should and do if Ari Aster If Ari Aster directed a remake of a bunch of these Disney and childhood movies. That would be great. They would all end with somebody burning in a triangle building. It's great. It's fine. You you guys have heard of the uh the new Winnie the Pooh horror movie, right? Yeah, we uh yeah, we talked about it. (sighs) Yeah. It's gonna be great. I don't think I'll be seeing that one. (laughs) We'll probably Um, watch the trailer for it as part of our Patreon that we will eventually set up, but Someday. excited for the trailer i'm just confused about how you could turn that into a 90 minute film but we'll see Might yeah it i've only watched part of it i and it's uh, anyways a kid wanders into like <laughs> this is how i think it would go a kid wanders into like a narnia type closet and on the other side is the hundred acre wood uh but it's all evil and he has to escape the demonic winnie the pooh yeah all right. Eeyore Twist, will well, be a trip. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ending, it's a demon trying to possess the kid, so it's okay. <laughs> Always. I gotta say, I gotta say, the beginning of the movie is fucking heartbreaking. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's parts in it where you're just like, oh, man. No. <laughs> uh, so, Katie, kick us off with the film. The real movie. Hereditary. It, uh, the film starts right off into a grief and trauma theme. Uh, Ari talked about this interview, and it opens up with an, an obituary. Always a sign of a great film, opening <laughs> right. with an obit. <laughs> Tra- tragic. He said that um, wasn't in the original plans, and he actually added that in editing later. It just brings the chilly vibes one. already. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Um, so the obituary read... I think it's Ellen Taper Lee. Uh, she's 78, passed away after a prolonged illness at her daughter Anne's house on April 3rd, 2018. Beloved wife of the late Merlin Lee, rest in peace. Martin. Devoted mother. Did, hey. I, say, did I say Martin? You said or... Merlin. Did <laughs> I say Merlin? Sorry. Yeah, that's um, okay. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> anyways, beloved wife of the late. 
I almost said Merlin again. God damn it. <laughs> Beloved wife of the late Martin Lee, rest in peace. Devoted mother of Anne Lee Graham and the late Charles Lee, rest in peace. Cherished grandmother of Peter Graham and Charlie Graham. She is also survived by her son-in-law, Dr. Stephen Graham. She will be missed. It's a lot of grams in a sentence. <laughs> uh, reposing at Kingston Funeral Home, Friday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Funeral service to be held on Saturday, 10 a.m. Burial will take place at Spring Blossom Cemetery. That's such a weird way to uh, say that. Repo we're reposing her. <laughs> yeah. I thought that exact same thing. It's like, well, like a visitation? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the re reposing, given what happens later in the movie, is creepy and i love it <laughs> so right off the bat you know that that uh ann it's it's ann or annie annie it is annie sorry uh annie the daughter of the dead grandmother has experienced a lot of death with her dad and her brother dying like we discussed earlier um which is really traumatic and sad <laughs> yeah she's working through it um Especially yeah. the ways that they died. And she and she says in that grief counseling circle, it's like, oh, my dad starved himself to death. Like, it's it's as it was probably as traumatic as it sounds. Yeah. I can't even. Oh. None yeah. of them went necessarily peacefully. So, Oh, yeah, no, not at all. Um, and as Lucy mentioned. And of their own volition. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, and as... Uh, I almost called you Annie. As Lucy mentioned, Annie is played by Toni Collette, who is Australian. I did not know that. I don't think I've ever seen her in a movie with an Australian accent. I don't think I have either. I love her. She brings so much to every single role. She's so fucking good. She's in Krampus, and that's my favorite Christmas movie on Earth. And <laughs> I love her. She's phenomenal. I really liked her in um, Knives Out. Yeah, yes. The character yeah. was a hoot. Mm -hmm. She's just a great actress. She really is. She's got 50 award wins and 111 nominations to back up that statement. So Yeah, I was going to say that makes sense. Yeah. I so, also like the way that she plays, sorry, the way that she um plays this particular character. She's like kind of a bitch. She's just <laughs> sort of a bitchy mom. And she plays it so like kind of subtly. It's all in like her affect and her attitude towards her ch children characters and her husband mm -hmm. i just think it's so subtle and it goes such a long way into like disliking her as a character and then which i think is sort of the point yeah, one of the points it's kind of like she's the evil person in the movie even though she's like that but you want to kind of want her to be <laughs> Um, but she's yeah. also, she does a fantastic job playing a grieving mother, which I can't imagine the headspace you'd have to be in to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have children. I can't even imagine. I would just think about my animals and I would still be an absolute wreck. So. You've got fur <laughs> babies. It's basically the same. Yeah. yeah. You'd get there emotionally. Right. Uh, so after the uh, the obituary, it shows a workroom of miniature, like, dollhouses, and it zooms into one which turns into the bedroom of Annie's oldest son. Uh, his name's Peter. The dad is trying to get the kids up and ready for the funeral, and Charlie is there. She's, I believe, 13 or 14, um, who is sleeping in her treehouse, which I always wanted a treehouse, and hers is really big. 
I'm kind of jealous. Hers is fancy. It's big. Yeah, it's got really good lighting. Yeah. <laughs> like that red light is really cool. I know it's supposed to be scary, but I like it. It's cool. Yeah. No, I get it. <laughs> they uh, have the windows on the east and west side just so it hits just right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so like Midsummer, there's a lot of symbolism and historical lore in this film. Uh, on the side of the treehouse, there's a symbol with the wood that's made. And it's like a Y with a little thingy sticking up the center. Uh, it looks almost like a pitchfork. There you go. Thanks. <laughs> I don't know how I to gotcha. explain it. It's, I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and this is actually a rune called, uh, I think it's Algiz or Algiz. I couldn't tell you, but I'm going to say I'll jizz because it sounds better. Because it's a way with a thingy and it jizzes. I don't know. Sure uh, it is. And that rune specifically means divine protection and sanctuary, which is significant because, and it, hopefully you've seen this movie, but spoiler alert, Charlie is the vessel for the god demon thing, which we'll get more, we'll get into more later. Uh, but this treehouse is meant to be Charlie's safe space, the temple for this entity, and not i don't it's i'm unsure if she knows that that's her temple or if she just feels naturally drawn to that space couldn't tell you but in an interview, i assume it's because it's, it's her safe space i assume that's where it refers to i think she like feels her grandmother in that it, it's probably not like cognitive because she's only 13 but she's like she kind of like when she goes outside she's like kind of following her grandma and she doesn't have shoes on she's just sort of like in a trance almost so the reason i say i'm not sure if she understands that's a temple or not is because um aster did confirm in an interview with variety that uh, charlie has been possessed by this entity since birth so like she is already this thing damn um so that's why i'm like i don't know if it understands or what i don't know but it's cool can you but, like, imagine says, being I think born possessed is born possessed born possessed <laughs> that's well and like her grandma there's references to her grandma taking care of her like more than her mom yeah like that little doll the the doll scene with the mom in the bed and i'm sure we'll get to it but it's <laughs> creepy that was one of the, the more traumatizing dies. signs scenes of the yeah. film <laughs> yeah and the grandma dies and she asks her mom like who will take care of me that's so sad your fucking mom yeah, yeah. that's one of those first things where you're like what kind of mother was she yeah mm -hmm. yep i wouldn't be surprised if she had based off like what we learned later if she had some um uh postpartum depression kind of stuff but we'll see um and then charlie is played by millie shapiro her biggest claim to fame can't talk is that she was matilda on broadway Oh. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, she did that right before this film. That's a that's a transfer. They, <laughs> Matilda she, to yeah. Hereditary. <laughs> totally. Like Disney stars who like go from like these pure Disney shows to like stripper movies right afterwards just to shit yeah. that Disney. <laughs> I was like, damn. Okay, that was fast. Miley. Uh, yeah. Lindsay Lohan, mm -hmm. so many, all of them, I don't know. Uh, there are discussions all over the place about whether Charlie is neurodivergent or has some sort of like social disorder of some kind. 
Um, and I did read on Reddit because those are all high source content. Right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's all real. It's true. Uh, where people who were autistic or other forms of like neurodivergent found her behavior very relatable. Um, and the only reason that I would argue she's not technically neurodivergent in the normal sense is because she is a possessed vessel. It's just the entity trying to figure out what it's doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I feel like there's a good good odds that she wasn't like socialized very well from a young age because her grandma was taking care of her. Yeah. A lot more than her mother. And her mom, when Peter goes to that party and her mom's like, take your sister with you. Like, yeah, my mom would make her never, normal. My mom would never oh. let me do that. Yeah. Especially when she already presumes that there's going to be alcohol at the party. It's like kind of her just sort of, out. It's fine. Yeah. Just like forcing her to sort of like be normalized and socialize. I think, I think she's just a weird introverted little girl. Mm -hmm. And if it's true that, I mean, Aster said it, so I guess technically it's true, um, that the real Charlie, her soul or whatever, has been displaced is the word they use, and she is being controlled by this male entity thing who's trying to figure out what it is to be human, then it already doesn't know how to, like, be human, so, and then, like you said, it's grown up with nothing but grandma, so, yeah, and then there's, like, the clicking thing. Mm -hmm. which we'll get into more but yeah and then it doesn't help that the entity inside of her is supposed to be male um, and she is of the female sex um, and so because she feels like a tomboy even though we all know gender is fluid and that's not a thing uh, it, like she feels extra isolated I, I was a tomboy, Izzy. Do you remember when I used to wear the boys' cargo pants that zipped off at the knees? That's just called Every a lady being comfortable. <laughs> or a person yeah, being that's comfortable. Fashion. That's fashion. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's, it's coming back, I swear. Everything's coming back. <laughs> it's all cyclical. Yeah. I also feel like when she said the tomboy thing was almost like kind of thrust on her because she said, like, Grandma wanted me to be a boy. And that goes back to, like, the the male body being more desirable for the demon mm -hmm. that yeah grandma did want you to be a boy because you'd be a better vessel <laughs> yeah and it's not necessarily because she like you know expressed as a tomboy she just kind of had that in her head that she should have been a boy mm -hmm. and her mom wasn't there to apparently stand up for her at all <laughs> and be like yeah. hey do whatever you want lady girl thing yeah, mom. whatever you yeah. are child demon <laughs> who knows so at the at the uh the funeral annie gives a eulogy uh and describes her mother as sensitive and private like that's it yeah tell me you have mommy issues without like telling me you have mommy issues <laughs> so she yeah. kind of called her own mom a bitch in the eulogy. She did. Yeah. She's, like, she's got weird friends. We didn't get along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Annie's wearing a necklace that matches the one that her mom wore. And it turns out that this is like a type of symbol of the cult her mother was the matriarch of. 
And although at this point in time, Annie doesn't know that that's what that symbol is. Meanwhile, Charlie is drawing portraits in her notebook and she keeps making that, uh, that clicking noise that we were talking about. Um, so I thought that was really interesting because it's, it's in a really quiet spot and she, you can hear her like drawing and hear her sketching and then she just clicks and I think it's the first time you hear her click and you're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Uh, there's a theory that her tongue clicks because it's also a behavior associated with some neurodivergent diagnoses, actually. Right. Um, so some theories say that that's actually Charlie trying to, like, take control. Um, and it's showing that the entity does not have control of the body. However... Uh, I think even Aster has said that the clicking is specific to the entity that is taking over because it's a way for you to like track where it is throughout the film. Okay. Yeah. I kind of noticed the clicking happening like when she was thinking about her grandma or in spaces where she, where she was close to her grandma. Yeah. It was a, essentially she clicked in like the creepier parts of the movie, yeah. so. <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. She just made him creepy, yeah. Because uh, if she was the one who, like, summoned her, I guess, she had, like, a connection to it. And being, being a matriarch of the of the cult, she's she is going to be the main person of all of them. <laughs> and then there supposedly was a trailer for this film that came out on valentine's day of 2018 where it showed a yeah (laughs) great valentine's day film uh it showed a scene where annie is opening a box that has the necklace in it and that's when she puts it on but they cut that out of the film and so in the film she's like just wearing it it doesn't show her receiving it um, which i found i don't it's not like a big thing i guess (laughs) um but maybe she, I think that just shows she hasn't been wearing it her whole life and she only put it on because her mother died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes sense. So once they return home, you get a view of Charlie's room, which is kind of filled with little figures that she's made and like from really random objects, like a, like an Altoids box and things like that. Um, there's like a little Frankenstein toys. Some It's like Sid from Toy Story. <laughs> it's yeah, kind of yeah. creepy, <laughs> but just it less dark and creepy than Sid because that man that poor kid was messed up (laughs) those those toys haunted me for years when I was a child like that spider Uh, doll head Mm. yeah I was just gonna say that yeah and they turn out to be just misunderstood they're like little Frankensteins they're they're super nice (laughs) Uh, so Aster has said in an interview uh, that these are meant to be like a shrine to the entity inhabiting her in a conversation with Annie, it is revealed that Charlie was Grandma's favorite and that she was very protective of and doting of her. Um, Annie even said that Grandma wouldn't let her feed her, uh, but insisted that she do it herself, like the Grandma do it, which is really weird. Um, except that the Grandma made it very clear that she wanted Charlie to be a boy, as we talked about. She's like, I love you, but I don't love that you are you. <laughs> be better yeah. i love you but you you could have been better you fucked up <laughs> yeah it's a choice 
<laughs> it wasn't your fault, but it but it was. So is there a conversion camp for that? God, <laughs> disturbing. Um, and knowing what we know now, that makes sense. But it is so weird that she would tell her that. Yeah, maybe that's where like the tomboy stuff came out. That her grandma was like sort of trying to make her behave or dress more masculine. She's wearing like the baggy hoodie and the baggy zip off khakis. Just kidding. <laughs> Man, comfortability. It's <laughs> exactly what, she, what shoes were you wearing, Katie? Because I'm sure she was wearing those too. <laughs> what shoes was I wearing? I was wearing the big ass skate shoes, like the DCs mm -hmm. and shit. Uh, yeah, she was probably wearing those. <laughs> uh, and then Just later... dragging the heels on the floor, you know, yeah. making that scuff sound every step you take. With the, uh, the really thick laces that nobody actually tied, mm -hmm. you just tuck them in. Exactly. 100%. That was a look. It was. It was. I rocked it for years. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, later, when they show Annie's miniature workspace uh, in their home, it becomes clear that she makes miniatures as a way of working through her issues. Um, and one such miniature is her in bed with baby Charlie, I'm assuming. Um, and then her mom is also trying to breastfeed Charlie. This is the, the the scene that I was talking about. It's so, that's like the creepiest part of the movie. I swear to God, like it's so uncomfortable to just see that because the grandma has her tit out and is like ready to take the baby. And it's just like, no, no, that's not how this works. I feel. I How are you still lactating? That's what like, I was yeah. <laughs> I can only think of uh, White Chicks, where she's like, your mama's so old. When you breastfed, came out as powder. Spits. Blows the powder in their face. Dude. <laughs> That's how I broke my collarbone. Remember that, Izzy? Good times. From breastfeeding on powder? <laughs> no, from trying to do a flip from uh, White Chicks. That was our movie back in the day. <laughs> we were weird kids. We did crazy things. Yeah, that was an unfortunate yeah, I've seen White Chicks. Yeah, you haven't. <laughs> oh. I guess you can stay on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't really know how to segue from that to this, but behind Charlie's bed <laughs> is a word <laughs> that works. That's carved into the wall that says, "I think it's satiny, satony." Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is believed to be a word used in necromancy rituals, as stated on some random witchcraft websites. A website called Signal Horizon is most often referenced for doing all the digging on these words that they find. Um, and they think it might be a word of power used to command the dead back to the spirit world. Uh, so I'm assuming that's them trying to get the uh, uh, souls of the people away so that the entity can move on in. That's the only thing I could think of for that. Um, in a so I, oh, I, oh, sorry, I looked at um, a couple articles about like the overall meaning of the movie, and I guess that there's other words that are like written on the outside of the family's house and also on the treehouse that are also like incantation words. So the vibe that I got was that the cult practitioners are already surrounding the house and like prepping the scene yeah Astor said in interviews that there's 
the idea is that there's words for an entire incantation throughout the house, like you said. These were just the three words that they showed. I was going to ask if you saw, like, I if it was going to be kind of like a haunting at Hill House where you see the ghosts in the background, if you could catch the words and stuff like that. Yeah, there's only three. There's officially only three. So whatever they, like, obviously point at them, those are the only ones that are visible. But it would be cool if they had more, like, Easter egg. Just like, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that'd be fun. But that's also super creepy that they were there so fast. <laughs> just yeah. messing with stuff in the house. Yeah. For real. Uh, They also say this word later in the film. um, So that's just driving in that it was the cult that put it there. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I I did look it up or look up the pronunciation of that because I always like to do this. It is Satoni. Satoni. So it's a... a, It's Satoni. Yeah, exactly. There you go. (laughs) There Sounds delicious. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, among her mother's personal things, Annie finds a book call, uh, that notes on spiritualism. And there's a note inside uh, of the, the cover. Kind of like, it looks almost like a postcard. Uh, and it says, My darling, dear, beautiful Annie, forgive me for all the things I could not tell you. Please don't hate me and try not to despair your losses. You will see in the end they were uh, they were worth it. Our sacrifice will pale next to the reward. Love, Mommy. Will she see it, though, <laughs> if she's been sacrificed? That's the question. Yeah. <laughs> the signed love, Mommy thing kind of, like, irks me a little bit. But it doesn't, that's just because I... Yeah, it doesn't sound like it fit their relationship, either. Right. So... No, it it kind of made me... F- think that the mom well like the grandma was sort of like had a little bit delusional thinking about her relationship with her daughter and probably both of her kids and the Annie character was just like my mom was fucking nuts <laughs> and that, like maybe she didn't even like realize it but yeah she's a cult leader so why would she they are yeah. pretty yeah that note was really so <laughs> yeah that note was really weird in that it didn't if it was just an isolated note it would be like oh creepy what like rewards are we reaping or whatever and but just given the context and what you know about their relationship it's like extra i think Annie's, yeah it just it, i think annie easy. was able to dismiss it so easily because like you said in that talk where she's ranting about her family she talks about how her mom had like lost it in the end and was just nuts so i think she's just yeah. like oh mommy's crazy writings yeah just more offsetting things that make you think um the next day peter's teacher does a typical horror movie thing and provides a lesson that perfectly covers the entire movie just sums (laughs) it up uh not that peter's paying attention of course uh the teacher is talking about heracles flaw and on the board it's written theme escaping fate uh, the teacher asks what Heracles' flaw and a student respond, or what is Heracles' flaw, and a student responds with arrogance because he is ignoring all the signs, as Peter is currently doing right now. Then another student says, "If it's all just inevitable, then the characters have no hope. Uh, they are all hopeless pawns in a horrible, or they are all hopeless pawns in a horrible machine." No so. student talks like that. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> at least not high school to not high school students. <laughs> it was an AP class. <laughs> APIB for sure. In his Vogue interview, Astor said that was exactly one of the themes for the film. Uh, in Charlie's Temple Treehouse thing, uh, there's mm-hmm. a makeshift table made of boxes that says Hercules powder on them. Um, and I was curious, because Heracles is just another way of saying Hercules. They're like interchangeable right. names. It's 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 the mythology, mythological way of saying that. <laughs> um, and I <laughs> thought these were supposed to be some super cool like background Easter egg, and I don't think they are. <laughs> but it, uh, let's see, Hercules powder is one of the first explosives that was made way back in the day. Um and I think it was included in one of the world wars, but then not used after that. Uh, so I have no idea why they have those boxes or if it's important, but it does say Hercules. So there's that. Just more foreshadowing, or not foreshadowing, but more Easter eggs. <laughs> so when Charlie's at school, she decides to spend her time more productively and uh, there's a pigeon that flies into the window and she decides she's going to cut it off and keep the head, which like a normal is also for year old. So. Yeah, of course. We're going to just steal the teacher's <laughs> scissors, go out, cut the head off the dead bird really fast, and put it in our pocket. It's fine. Everything is fine. We're normal. <laughs> and keep it for, like, kind of a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, this like Dumb and Dumber, yeah. where he, like, tapes the head back on, and he's like, pretty bird. <laughs> pretty bird. <laughs> oh, man. Um, just sorry to yeah to back up for just a second about the Hercules powder. So I thought this sounded familiar, so I googled it just real quick. There was a, a plant disaster in 1940 because Hercules powder, like you said, was like a di- a dynamite, an explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, it says uh, the Hercules powder plant disaster was an explosion at an armaments factory owned by the Hercules Powder Company. In September 1940, about 52 people were killed and 100 were injured. Well, that's they don't upsetting. really know what caused the explosion. They kind of think that it was like maybe the Nazis because it was in 1940. That, that would be sense. an easy scapegoat. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right. So still kind of mysterious, obviously a huge disaster. So maybe that was a little bit of foreshadowing that like things are going to like blow up (laughs) there you go bless you and you're googling (laughs) i like the i I like the reference of blow up because it makes sense yep Mm -hmm. yep Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's all foreshadowing of the events that are coming up that you'll see but while the kids are at school annie is working on her miniatures for a showcase um however she is afraid she's been seeing her mother's ghost and in her be- like her bedroom door opens on its own and inside the room is a triangle on the floor that she never really questions but it's just chilling there it's just another thing she chalks up to crazy old mom <laughs> it's like whatever she's like yeah seems about right um so i did try she's to- way practical about yeah she's, she's way practical about like her-, her thinking that she sees her mom and then like the thing on the floor which is like it looks like it was burned on the floor or it's at least been there for a really long time and like yeah maybe used for a really long time but she doesn't really seem to be surprised by any of this necessarily she's way she's She's really calm about it 
Yeah. yeah. It's a little weird. She's... But it also, again, goes to show how fucked up her mother was. Right. She's also, like, super self-aware of her, like, grieving and everything that happens. Um, mm-hmm. So I think she, in her head, is internalizing, like, oh, you're just, like, wanting to see your mom. So she's, like, explaining it away in her head. Um which Colette does a great job of like showing in her face, but oh yeah, that's that. Well, and like when she, when she first comes home from the funeral, she looks at her husband. And she's like, "Should I be? Should I feel sad?" And I feel like that's not a normal question that you ask after somebody dies. Um, she's like really your mom. yeah, very logical. And then when she's um, after she thinks she sees her mom, she it shows her con- computer screen and she's like reading a like an academic <laughs> article about seeing ghosts <laughs> like she's just handling it in such a bizarre clinical way that's a good yeah, yeah it's very clinical everything she goes through until the end is like clinical mm-hmm. yeah uh, but jumping back to those triangles because i had to google it the little google box machine <laughs> uh triangles are often related to witchcraft and mystical things and because of its reputation as being like one of the strongest shapes, um, I think triangles are in the Blair Witch Project. Is that what's hanging from the tree? Yes, I and, believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in other religions, such as Buddhism, Hinduism, and Judaism, two triangles make up a six pointed star. Uh, one of the beliefs is that the upwards triangle represents masculinity and fire. Uh, which would be how we viewed this triangle. So it's facing upwards, it's masculine, it's fire. Um, and then combined, it's, and the downwards one is femininity and air or something like that. And together they make creation. Uh, but this masculine energy entity thing that we'll talk about um, also extends to witchcraft practices. Uh, it also represents like purity and strength. Um, this use of a triangle is also an extension from Midsummer, his first film, or his next, sorry, this was his first film. His following film where they have like their temple is a triangle, kind of a thing that they burn down. More sacrifices, all that jazz. And Ari has been quoted in a few interviews saying that he did do research on occult and witchcraft practices for this film, but it made him very fearful and unsettled, and he hated it. Um, He says, I'm just a practical Jew boy. I don't like witchcraft. (laughs) He doesn't like the idea. Why'd you make multiple movies? (laughs) To him, it's (laughs) it's truly... The basis of this film. (laughs) Yeah, it's truly fearful for him. Like, witchcraft is terrifying. Because he doesn't like... There's a lot of witchcraft in Judaism. Sorry, Ari. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell him that. It's religious. It's not witchcraft. They're different. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, It's okay if a man turns water into wine, but if a woman does it, it's fucked up. (laughs) You can't do that. (laughs) Uh, The patriarchy. Yeah. Yeah, it's all that. There's a whole lot of that in this whole, like, belief system that he pulls from. Um, He also says that, like, part of this film is that nobody has a choice and they're just, like, fated for this to happen and they can't do anything to break it. And part of the witchcraft 
idea that he has in his head is that it's a bunch of dark forces trying to control you and manipulate manipulate you, which is why he's so like freaked out by it. Um, because that's what women do: we control and manipulate men. You bet. That's how that's how I married. Duh. Took advantage of him, and now he nine years <laughs> <Took> later. <advantage. laughs> I made it quick. I got knocked up and said, "You have to marry me." So. Yep. Just just multiple different ways of trapping them. Yes. This is yeah, the true totally. meaning of this podcast, Lucy. We tricked you. How do we trap men? <laughs> <laughs> this episode is conjuring an entity to to capture them for you i'm super into this <laughs> uh, um yeah yeah so uh in the evening <clears throat> sorry in the evening annie sneaks off to green's grief counseling and she just tells her husband she's going to the movies which my husband would instantly be like can, can I come? I want to go. I know. It's weird that she goes to the babies by herself. I'm like. Yeah. I, like, I've heard together. people doing that. I get it. But like, I've never just been like, babe, I'm going to the movies. Bye. I went to a movie by myself yesterday. <laughs> I mean, I've done it when Tyler's not there, right? Like if he's deployed and stuff, I do it. Hey, but, but, but if he's just like sitting on the couch and you're just like, hey, bye. And he, he just chills. That's so, true. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Corey's out of town. That's why I went. Yeah, see? <laughs> so. There you go. There. What movie did you go see? Cat Person. You what so are meant to be here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never um, heard of this do movie. Do you remember Do you remember a few years ago in the New Yorker there was that viral article about It's about like the nuances of sexual assault. <laughs> Like, was it just a bad date or was it assault or is he just awkward? Like, is this my fault? Should I have said something? But then I didn't want to insult him. And yeah, it sounds about right. That was called Cat Person. This is a movie extrapolated from that article. I really liked it. And ironically, I was alone in the theater. (laughs) Well, you don't want to go on a date. (laughs) That would make it awkward. That's true. I I love having the whole theater to yourself. It's so much fun. Yeah, and it, this this one is like the upstairs theater of an independent theater in town. So there's oh, okay. only like 20 seats. So oh, this tiny I, little. I just had like yeah. my own viewing room to myself. It was actually great. I took a phone call. It was wonderful. <laughs> Too bad you didn't have a controller to just pause that really fast for a second. I know. <laughs> right? Um, so Annie sneaks off to grief counseling. Uh, or at least what she thinks is grief counseling, but it turns out to be a room of her mother, like full of her mother's cult members, uh, which Annie spills all of her family drama, including all the mental illness, like disassociative identity disorder, dementia, per, uh, depression, and schizophrenia uh, on like a rampant rant that she does just and just spills. It's it's like word vomit for her. She's very cold about it. Like she's just like, this is how it went. And the yeah. way she says things, she's like, and of course my mother did this and this is what happened. So of course I had yeah. to give her Charlie and everyone else is like, uh, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you need a wow. therapist. You are not in the right room. <laughs> right. So as we said earlier, her father starved her star- starved himself to death because of his depression. Her brother was schizophrenic and he hung himself after claiming his mother had put people like into him at age 16. Um, which you know, there's 
Charlie's possessed, so is there's a person in or there's a something inside of her. <laughs> this would be a great place where if we had sponsors, we would be like Talkspace sponsoring this episode. If you have DID, <laughs> if you have my mom. If you suspect you have DID. (laughs) (laughs) My mom had a patient of DID, and I've always been super curious about it. Obviously, she didn't go into detail about it, but I did hear a little bit of it, and it was so interesting to just, like, hear her talk about, like, the change. So. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sounds really gnarly. There's a podcast called Something Was Wrong um, that I really like, and there's one about... Was that? Oh no, it wasn't. Something was wrong. Well, plug for something was wrong. <laughs> but there's another one called uh, "This Actually Happened," and it's uh, about a man who is married to a woman who has 21 different distinct personalities. Oh, Lanta. and she can like they have kids together, and she can kind of keep it under control during the day, but then at night she just has to like let it let it out. And oh man, and so her her husband like kind of accepts all of them and like gets them all on his side so nobody like so there's no conflict so he just like loves her through it it's really bizarre yeah. is but that she ends up like a polyamorous relationship oh <laughs> <laughs> well, i think so i mean there are all sorts of people there's like children personalities oh, and never mind <laughs> um so I would say no, but she does end up uh, dying by suicide. Oh, that's uh, a bummer. So it's it's just a very bizarre story, but yeah, DID is wild. That sounds like the best podcast ever. I've been on a loop of watching like YouTube's scariest videos and like the scary things you find on the internet, and <laughs> that sounds like a podcast of exactly what I want to listen to. Mm-hmm. This, this this actually happened, or this is actually happening. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm going to look that up. So our ad space for uh, talk space or therapy or whatever just turned into even better therapy, which is just tune it all out with podcasts about horrible things. <laughs> It'll make yeah, you feel a lot crime. better about yourself. <laughs> true crime. All of it. It's great. It's a coping mechanism. It is. Just embrace it. <laughs> I was talking I'm to- say it's a red flag, but you know... At least I know how to get rid of a dead body. Just kidding. I don't. Um, That was a joke. I just love making my husband super uncomfortable because he gets worried that I watch all of these true crime things. I do because I listened to Wine and Crime's episode on stashing bodies. Boom. That's a good idea. The problem comes in with the logistics. Like a dead body is very hard to move. And then you need like you need time. You need maybe really high heat if you want to burn it. I heat for a long time. If you want to try to bury it, digging a hole sucks. Logistically, it's very difficult to do. But intellectually, you should uh, burn it and then grind up all of the excess hard materials, the bones and stuff, mm-hmm. with just like cinder blocks. Then just kind of let it let it go blow in the wind. wind. It's the chunks that'll get you. You got to get rid of the chunks. Those you just bury under rare flowers so that they can't dig it up because yeah. they're protected. Do the, uh, the what is it called? It the <laughs> That would require them to suspect me first. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> You're beyond suspicion. <laughs> Brought to you by how would bury a body. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there is a Reddit theory 
on the official hereditary reddit page by user dooler76 um, who guesses that originally ellen had tried to place the entity into her son hence the schizophrenic diagnosis and claims of possession that he was going through um, but when he rejected it and died she used her daughter annie as a host uh, which would explain the remark where Annie was like, I was a tomboy when I was growing up too, and why she makes miniatures the same way Charlie does. Um, Ooh, I never okay. thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Creep. The question okay. is, when did she pull it from Annie? I, I don't know if she, Annie had it up until she had Charlie or how that worked. I'm assuming Grandma took it back, and that's why she got like DID and all that stuff maybe happening and dementia because okay. it was just messing with her brain chemistry having two people in there um that's my theory um i'm also wondering maybe she pulled go ahead oh sorry maybe she pulled it out when peter was born but then annie kept peter away from his grandmother yes yeah, because wasn't... he was she kind of knew because he was a boy she knew that her grandma would go after him so her husband had put a um safety order or whatever against her before peter was even born so i'm wondering if grandma was trying to be super controlling because she even says like my grand, my mom was really manipulative and controlling so i think she was trying to do what she did with charlie where she was controlling her to keep the entity up until peter was born but then it got to be too much and then she got pregnant so they did the order and then she never saw peter um, which is why she hooked on to charlie um, I think she might have also tried to put it in her husband was her first attempt, I think. That's my guess. Um, but because he wasn't, like, vulnerable enough, maybe, because that's part of the ritual we'll get into later, um, he didn't accept it and he starved to death. Um, it could be because he's not part of the actual bloodline. Um, and that was her being like, oh, that doesn't work. It's got to be blood. I'll try my son. <laughs> um but that's, I don't know. It just seems like really weird that all of that happened to the men in that family. That's why I was like, maybe she tried it on him first. <laughs> Possible. Yeah. yeah, the husband, Steve, is Steve, I think. Annie's husband. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't have been a candidate, a viable candidate, because he's not blood. Her hereditary. Right. Yes. Right. It's in the name. <laughs> it's always in the name. Now somewhere it's going to lead back to Buffy the Vampire Slayer because it's always leading back to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Well, Everything does. Buffy was in this movie. She would have taken would... it out. Bang, bang, boom. No problem. Yeah. Actually, yep. it would have been Giles who figured it out and she would have just been the dirty work. That's true. Angel would have been involved for sure. Right. He would have just been skulking Thank... in the corners by the naked people um, <laughs> waiting <laughs> <laughs> See, she belongs here all, all the Buffy ref references if it helps we tie in Supernatural <laughs> so it works out it all comes together Yeah. okay there we go that works <laughs> um, let's see I lost my spot uh, but yeah I think grandma was still trying to figure it out that's how everybody died it was in Annie at some point um, I also think that's why she put it into Charlie and she was super stoked for a kid because she figured out that if they're already a full fledged person they're more likely to reject the entity moving in. Whereas if it's a baby, they can't necessarily like fight it so much. So it'll be easier to put it in. Mm -hmm. That's, that's an idea. 
Kitty sounds like she's dying. She's really upset. So we have a window, but they have, in Germany, they have like the little space heaters um, right in front mm-hmm. of the window. And she hasn't figured out that she can land on top of it. So she keeps staring at the window and like wiggling her butt like she's going to jump up there, but she doesn't know <laughs> if she can or not. So she's yelling oh. at me. I need she you to a get ladder. a video. I need you to get a video of this for me because I want to see her butt wiggle. Someday. <laughs> There's no cats in this movie. No. One of the flaws. <laughs> or maybe yeah, it's a good thing. Uh, depending on what happens to the dog. <laughs> it would be a good yeah, thing. I was, I was thinking about uh, the last movie that we did. Smile and, you know, Dead Cat in that movie, which breaks my heart. So, <laughs> Yeah, that didn't end well for cats. No. <laughs> um, the... Never mind. I'm just going to move on. Okay, so Peter is played by Alex Wolf, who is an up-and-coming actor currently, I guess. He's started being in a lot of stuff after this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he is going to be in the 2024 movie A Quiet Place Day One, which I'm assuming is a prequel to the or first Quiet Place. I, I can only th- assume. Um, That's he- going to be good. I love the movies about, like, the first day that the apocalypse started or something like yeah. that like when everyone's figuring it out that's like my favorite I've type of movie i already told tyler i am just dying with the first wave because no way do i want to live through that i'm just no just, yeah i feel that i will walk Although, into the horde of zombies to slow them down if he wants i yeah <laughs> i love a quiet place just for the suspense of how how like silent the movie is in general in the theater like i I had popcorn with me in the theater and I felt like I couldn't eat it because of how quiet it was. <laughs> oh yeah, everyone's like trying to open their candy bags with them. Like... <laughs> what they should have done for a bird box was um, every time they had to leave and blindfold themselves, they should have just like had a blank screen so it was just audio. <laughs> just so you were like, I'm there. I feel it. <laughs> oh, fuck that. That Just leave everything up to the imagination. Oh, man. <laughs> that would have been creepy. Uh, Alex Wolf, also in the M. Night Shyamalan movie. I think it's called Old. Yeah. It's a weird movie, if you haven't seen it. It's like a slow burn, but it's pretty good. It's weird. It's yeah, a good one. It's, that one's it. weird. I got super uncomfortable at one of the big parts of the kids growing up. And I think you know what I'm talking about. It's definitely got yeah. a twist in it. That I didn't see it's, coming. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's I liked it. Also listed as an award-winning actor, musician, and composer, he did win awards for his part in this film for things like most frightened performance, best supporting role, best breakthrough performance, stuff like that. Most frightened performance. Yes. So he just plays huh. scared really well. I guess. <laughs> He does. <laughs> what a weird category. Right. I've never I've never heard of that. <laughs> I'm sure it's like a really obscure uh what's it called? Like thing that he wanted at. But Oh, it's probably like oh, Angoria or something. Yeah, yeah. Which I love Fangoria, so you know. Nightmare on thirteenth was mentioned in Fangoria when I was working there, so it was the haunted house that I used to work at. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so back to the movie. Peter asks if he can go to a party and tries to convince his mom that he's just going to hang out. I think he calls it like a school barbecue or something. Um, <laughs> but yeah. 
um she has no illusions about like what then like what might they might be up to and even though she decides to force peter to take his 13 to 14 year old sister to a high school party where she first of all doesn't want to go and i don't blame her at all but she because she doesn't know anybody there she's not a social person (laughs) but like my parents never in a million years would ever let me go to a party with my brother if he was like i'm going to a high school party yeah part of me thinks one of the reasons she did that was one to ensure that he would not drink and be responsible so he could drive her home um but also to all the things lucy said earlier where she just has questionable parenting skills <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah, so that ari astor being a wonderful cinema well the cinematography in this is just great so on the way to the the party uh, it shows the telephone pole, which is the insi- uh, with the insignia of the cult that's carved into it. Um, I didn't see that for the first when I first when I first saw this movie. I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention, or maybe I just blinked and looked away at the wrong time. But I didn't see it at first. Yeah, they don't. It's not like they're like hiding it. Like they they show it pretty well. Right. But if you no, yeah. blink or look at your popcorn or something. You might miss like you're it. gonna miss it. It's quick. It's quick. Um, but they show the mountains, and I would recognize those mountains anywhere because they are yep. Utah mountains. Yeah this this was filmed in Utah, <laughs> uh, where I'm currently sitting. Um, I actually know some of the places that it was filmed. Like I've been there, and so it was kind of cool to see some of those parts. But I always love seeing our mountains in the movies because a lot of the time I'm like I've been up that canyon. I we we skied that. Remember when we went off the cliff and should not have gone off that cliff is he we fell down that mountain (laughs) yeah we dropped my board down that mountain god so many so many things so the uh the person that you knew that worked on this film was he part of the like scouting crew or something he he was he was part of the film crew so he was on cameras uh he was my he's my husband's friend uh my husband and all of their high school friends because he went to East Hollywood High, which, like I mentioned, is a film school here in Utah. So they like to go there and kind of pluck the kids. Um, so he started being on the film crew. And I talked to him about this. And he he said the filming was crazy. He said Ari Aster's a wild one. <laughs> um, but he's... And this is going to kind of spoil something that we're going to talk about in a minute. But he said that the head, the decapitated head was the scariest thing he'd ever seen in his life because it looked so real it was done he, like, when he told when he told me about it he like shuddered and you could just see on his face the disgust and like him thinking about it you could just tell he was scarred and so i can't even imagine what the whole thing looked like but i mean he, it better be good because the camera f- focuses on it for like a full amount of time it's oh, like yeah. 10 seconds you yeah, get, you get your fill of that head. Yeah, which yeah. is which is really rare for like horror movies. They typically try to just like speed past that, so you get the idea, of yeah. it, but you don't visualize it. See the detail. That yeah, one. <laughs> I don't want to put I the detail it. in it. No, yeah, this he he said working on it was great. Working with Ari Aster was kind of crazy. Um, it was one of the bigger films that he had first worked on, and so it was super fun for him. Um. But he is, like, officially scarred from seeing that head. 
<laughs> so I love that. It's one of my favorite yeah. parts. Right? <laughs> so while at the party, Peter's trying to politely ditch Charlie Charlie so he can go get high with his high school or his, his school crush and hang out with his friends. Charlie ends up eating a pa- uh, eating a cake, like a piece of cake that has nuts in it, which she is deathly allergic to, obviously. So, of course, um, she doesn't have her EpiPen on her because who in the right mind has food allergies and doesn't take their EpiPens with them, nor does their mom remind them to do that anywhere they go in public. Yeah, or at least have cause... one in the car, like a backup. Right. Another right. one of those questionable choices. <laughs> Like, just have one stashed in the car so you always have it. Like, just like a, a what is it? A, safe, a safety kit. What is it called? Medical kit. kit. There we go. <laughs> oh, I've been up since 4 a.m. I'm tired. Uh, but this begins a huge downward spiral, spiral for this movie. Um, this is where everything kind of just drops really quick. Peter recognizes that she's having an allergic reaction. And decides the best bet is to try and speed her to the hospital himself. Uh, which, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they were just in a really fancy house that had that was just way out in the middle of nowhere. But it seemed like he was driving for fucking ever in a, like, no-town farm area. Right. Like, I know we went to plenty of, like, soccer competitions that were, like, in the middle of nowhere. I think, like... Layton maybe was like one yeah, of the ones yeah. that was just the, a, a suburbia in the middle of nowhere but right. it was really far like, away. There was still a hospital pretty pretty close to most of those areas in general so um, anyways. I, I feel like he had a couple different choices one of them being to just be like does All anybody here have an EpiPen because I imagine at least one kid there has an allergy it would have right. required it. He was also really baked, though. Like, he was ripping that bong. Yeah. <laughs> so he was probably just panicked and wanted to get out of there so he didn't get in trouble. And then maybe the, maybe that he wasn't driving for that long. It just felt like it because she's suffocating in the back seat. You know, that's true. That's fair. Um, and then, yeah, he didn't even, like, consider calling 911. Um, but... Uh, one of the things that I also read was someone said that it was chocolate cake because chocolate cake is often called the devil's food, and that's why she it, like couldn't resist it. Honestly, um, I th- <clears throat> I thought it was German chocolate cake because I think the frosting looked like it had like that German chocolate frosting with the coconut. So that's what I thought. So I thought it was but like it had a coconut nuts allergy. In it. Yeah, they were cutting like but, almonds and stuff. So yeah, I think it was walnuts or something, but. Yeah, they put a big reference on the nuts. They're chopping up a lot of nuts for... That's too many nuts for almost anything you're making, I feel. There was a lot of nuts there. It's weird that a bunch of... chopping of of the nuts was so funny. There's a bunch of high school girls cooking cake during a party. The way that she was chopping nuts, I was like, that's that's dangerous. You're going to cut yourself. They were probably already baked. And they were like, bro, you know what sounds good? Cake. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's um, very true, yeah. They had a box mix. They just added some nuts. Yeah, why, why not? not? Fuck it, you know? <laughs> that's that's what I normally do. I'm like, eh, this is... Th- fuck it, let's just add this in it. Why not? Yeah. Um, I get the idea that, the, that maybe he didn't want to call an ambulance because they were at a high school party where there was drinking, there was smoking, so he didn't want to, like, pull attention and police and stuff there. 
but your fucking little sister's dying like heavily and you can see it so wouldn't i feel like that emergency would take place priority over any of it she's so cute when she walks in though she's like i feel like my throat is getting bigger oh i know yeah yeah i think he's just an idiot 16 year old boy his yeah. frontal lobes aren't fully developed it's not there yet and and he's stoned so he made a series of bad decisions and when he dodged the deer in the road he went to the right instead of the left there's obviously no one coming right or the deer's already late. in the road just hit it yeah my, my driving teacher my driving teacher always told me that if there's a deer in the road speed up and Go i was like that's the, yeah. that's the worst but best advice ever <laughs> yeah you are way more likely to get hurt if you try to avoid it exactly uh, but like Lucy said, who's to say that even if he had called 911 or something, something else wouldn't have happened where she would have died anyways, because it's right. faded. It's going to yeah. happen regardless. And we knew that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Somehow the cultists knew because they had tagged that pole and set this whole thing up. Yeah. Heracles. Heracles, man. <laughs> it all goes back to Heracles. Yeah, man. <laughs> so on the way to them trying to get to the hospital... Charlie's going into anaphylactic shock, uh, which is where the throat starts closing, and she sticks her head out of the window, kind of like a dog trying to gasp for air. And she sticks herself really far out the window, can I just say? Like, that's a little scary. Um, mm -hmm. But as, uh, as we said, Peter's not really paying attention. He's trying to, like, watch his sister in the fact that she's putting herself out the window, but also drive really fast to get her help. Um he's not paying attention there's a deer in the road he swerves out of the way like we said going to the right rather than the left and uh they like the like the foreshadowing of the te te the the telephone pole i almost said tennis pole and i'm not sure why it's all the same thing it's okay <laughs> right uh, so swerves to the right and uh charlie hits charlie's head with the telephone pole and her head goes fucking flying <laughs> Smacked right uh, off. Yeah, it's... And I imagine that's exactly what would happen if something like that were to actually happen, but it's... It's quick and fast, and it looks like it just popped right off. Like, it... <laughs> you think there'd be some kind of tissue that, you know, makes it dangle on. Right. coming totally off. It's also a pretty clean cut when you see the head by itself later on. It's like a... Yeah, there's no there's no scraps. Well, but at the same time, she didn't want yeah, to be nearly headless because then she would get left out of the <laughs> headless hunt. So you know, exactly, it had to be clean. Yep. Uh, <laughs> damn you. I think about like I I do think about that because like I've now this is nothing to like a decapitation. I did fall against a rounded like pole once and I slipped my my ear clean in half. Like I have a full like slit in oh. my ear that's a big scar and like my friend was like yeah. playing with it um and that was like on a rounded pole wall thing when i was ice skating it was in a really weird area not exactly sure how it happened but maybe if you're going at that big of a speed it would cause it to be a bit cleaner yeah like he could, he could have been going like 80 miles an hour yeah He's speeding down basically a deserted road He's probably going real fast. His sister's that dying kind of in the backseat. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of velocity could 
do some damage. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. Izzy's more of the medical side of this shit, so, you know, maybe... Flesh? Do you think flesh would hang on, or would it just be a clean cut, Is? I mean, it. I don't know if it would be a clean cut. It definitely would have been jagged, but I don't think it would have held on, specifically. Right. At that speed. Um... <laughs> I can't imagine what was so, left in the car. That would be upsetting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and so, okay, so clearly she gets decapitated. Very sad. Uh, Peter stops, and he knows based on, like, he knows what happened based on the silence in the backseat, but he can't bring himself to acknowledge it, and I don't think he actually looks in the backseat. Um, so he just keeps his eye forward and then drives home and climbs into bed. Like, just just leaving his his sister's head and uh there by the pole and her body in the back seat it's definitely one of the most He's tense shock. yeah yeah one of the most tense scenes because you're like waiting for him to look because we're all fucked up and we want to see what happened <laughs> but and it, it's one it. of those it's one of those silent moments where there's like nothing except for just like the outside sounds that you hear and those are always super intense for me Mm-hmm. And like his crazy breathing, yeah. Oh man, yeah. What a high! So, <laughs> so he climbs really into harsh bed. His buzz, <laughs> yeah. Really harsh, my mellow man. Um, Annie is the one who ends up finding Charlie's body in the back seat the next morning, which would be fucking horrific. That's the Just... worst part of the whole movie, I think. Just finding your daughter's decapitated body, just the body, not the head, in the backseat of the car that you let your son drive earlier. I really wanted to see the confrontation to to how they like right? approached him and what happened, but they skip over it. It yeah. didn't need to be in the yeah. movie. It didn't wouldn't have added anything, but I wanted to see like it. asking questions at that point of Peter sounds and seems so absurd like what would that even look like yeah hey what yeah. happened like, exactly and like can, did she can just... you tell me the story please because she wouldn't have been able to talk so i'm sure dad was like what are you screaming about and then ran upstairs and it was like what the f- happened and yeah 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 Ugh. um there's a theory that there was a vehicle on the side of the road by the deer or like right before the deer and that's what peter was looking at um in addition to like uh, his sister, but at that specific moment, he had seen a vehicle. It looks like a red, um, a red Mini Cooper. Just kidding. It's a Jeep. It looks like a Jeep on the side of the road. Um, and people think that that's the cultists who have set up the deer to like create this whole thing. Um, people which like, would make sense. Took screenshots and added lighting and did a whole bunch of Photoshop, but it does kind of look like a vehicle. Is there? Hmm. Um, Astor tried really hard to make it feel like the family was always surrounded by the cult, hence the words and stuff on the walls. Uh, at the funeral, some of the cult members that you see later in the movies were there. Um, there's someone smoking in the treehouse when Peter is smoking in his room earlier. There's little reflection lights that the family can see, like those little Tinkerbell lights um, that are supposed to be, I guess, the god or the entity or whatever, like guiding people to where he wants them uh but i'm not i don't really like that i don't know i don't like that (laughs) but we can (laughs) we get there (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, it's just the cult members like manipulating this whole thing. And I don't know how they could predict that she was going to eat peanuts, but they did. Um, They're just yeah, go fortune ahead. tellers. <laughs> That's all it is. Fortune telling. They planned yeah. it from the beginning. They did. Somehow they did. And then above the morning parents bed is another word like written or carved into the wall. And it's Zazas. And other people who have lurked into that word found that it was associated with Aleister Crowley. Here's your supernatural link. Yep. Um, I actually, after I wrote this part, I found the whole history of him, uh, which we'll talk about later when we talk about the cult more. Um, but oddly enough, he might actually be a crossroads demon. <laughs> That's kind of what his whole you life know, was about. <laughs> super, supernatural's not lying. Um but he was an occultist in the 20th century who did weird shit in the name of expanding his consciousness to different planes of reality. Um, he would like, he wandered around a lot. He bounced from like England to Paris to US to England to Egypt. He was all over the place. Uh, but he would like gather people everywhere he went. Um, and one of the mantras uh, that he used to summon a demon called. Koranzan was Zaza Zazas Nasatanada Zazas. That's right. I'm be sh- careful saying that out loud. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I mispronounced it horribly, I'm sure. So it's okay. <laughs> Even then, shit's about to start happening over there. If you say it with a question mark at the end, they don't come. <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> They're like, she's not committed. Uh, she doesn't understand what the fuck she's saying. Um, there's probably like lots of lore around some of his travels and stuff like what i read on wikipedia the most honest page of all pages wasn't quite the same thing that i read on some other web pages or blogs or whatever they were i don't know um the credibility is wild so uh but it does seem like he was using them as words to summon something and so that's we've got kicking out the soul and then summoning something so far in these words um, I guess there's also an X-Files episode where they use that phrase and it has to do with summoning some sort of demon thing. Connections. Cool. <laughs> so, uh, good thing Annie has decided to take to sleeping in the temple or the treehouse in her grief. Uh, meanwhile, Peter is immediately back in school hearing tongue clicks and having anxiety attacks and no one in the family seems to be getting any sort of like real professional help which after that kind yeah. of like trauma you would think is necessary which it's is like the next fucking day, but he's back in class yeah like crying like, in class. yeah they were like you know what what if we just go about like everything's normal it will be okay yeah make it till you make it <laughs> so Andy, Annie is kind of like half-heartedly seeking some help from that grief group that she's been going to but she ends up bailing the next time she shows up um, unfortunately for her uh, well for her Joan, this woman, catches her before she leaves the parking lot claiming to be a member of the grief group who attended after losing her son and grandson in a drowning she offer she does offer uh to be like Annie's personal grief partner and grief gal pal hangout talk kind of situation. <laughs> um, Let's get coffee and so talk Annie, about our dead children. Yeah. Uh Annie does take her offer. 
yeah it's it's the it's the my child is dead book club and <laughs> we meet every fort every every thursday <laughs> drink merlot yeah yeah i am i am drinking a merlot in honor of your podcast um it Love is the, it. Apoth- I didn't it's the apothic merlot and it's fucking amazing it's like my favorite red good drinking so, water <laughs> me i mean i have that too but you know I'm again it's one of those cat fuck hair. it moments <laughs> you're eating cat hair is that I'm what you snorting said? cat hair oh snorting right yeah <laughs> so annie ends up taking her offer to talk with joan um at her apartment where annie recognizes the doormat as something similar to what her mother used to make it's one of those um, hints those arrogance hints they were talking about with heracles flaw that just goes completely ignored right uh annie ends up telling her about her relationship how her relationship is strained with peter because once in a while sleep uh while sleepwalking she has doused the children with like paint thinner from her workshop and woken up with like a little match in her hand (laughs) just once it's not a big deal i was sleeping and i I didn't even actually drop the match it's okay (laughs) she was like defensive about it too it was kind of funny yeah even as she's telling she's like but i woke up the scent of it woke me up (laughs) That doesn't make it better. Yeah. That's not okay. Like you're yeah. still in the motions of you already you already threw the paint thinner on him. You had the match already lit. Like pretty intentional right there. How dare he hold that against me? I tried to murder him in my sleep. Yeah. Dear God. He needs to let go of this. He's being dramatic. Yeah, he needs to get over it. This family needed therapy intervention long before this death happened. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is just one long ad for talk space this whole mental, movie mental health yeah <laughs> seek help <laughs> seek help that'll just be the whole the whole synopsis just call, it, just call it seek help it's fine yep people will get it <laughs> they'll understand it's it's a connection to hereditary perfect um, but after after all of that annie can like barely look at her son which makes sense um because even though she knows it was an accident she can't help be upset and and blame him she says that she like doesn't blame him but I th- she says what makes her the most upset is that he hasn't accepted responsibility for it i mean that's fair she but... doesn't do either when she's talking about burning her children alive she's like but it wasn't really me it was i was sleeping it's okay it's hereditary it was dreamy <laughs> um i read somewhere i think it was an interview with aster where he was saying that Part of why that whole scenario happened was because she subconsciously or unconsciously or whatever the right term is, um, insert here, uh, knew that her children were being bred and used for this demonic entity. Um, So she was trying to preserve them and purify and save them by ending it, basically. Um, Mm. But because it was faded, it wouldn't have worked anyways. That's, that's one idea. Yep. Um, there's another mm-hmm. idea where when she's sleeping, because Annie was still technically like in the body, um, that's when, like, when, if the entity was in control at some point in that time, Annie came alive while she was sleeping and tried to like sacrifice them all to end it. But I don't think so, because I think she said she did it to her and ch- him and Charlie, and Charlie had the entity the whole time. So, yeah. Yeah, but even 
maybe even if the entity was in Charlie, she might have thought that burning that burning Charlie also would get rid of it. Yeah, I don't. I think she was that subconscious was trying to save her kids. Yeah. I don't know why that or like how that was saving them, but I don't know. Maybe dying is better than living as an entity. They were going to die anyways, I guess. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, the tea that she drinks at Joan's house that shows her like taking a leaf off her lip. Um, it's believed that that's part of the ritual. Uh, it's part of the like spell, I guess that granny fed Charlie when she was a baby to kind of prime for the, I don't know, whatever's happening. It kind of is weird. The ritual, like, isn't very straightforward and doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you start trying to dissect it. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Apparently that was part true. of it. So. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, later, Joan invites Annie over to view the miracle of the seance she took part in, which has reconnected her with her grandson, um, which I would be super skeptical about in the first place. <laughs> But after seeing Joan interact with a ghost of her grandson, Annie decides to try the seance at home, which includes reading something in a language she doesn't know out loud. Terrible fucking idea. Big red flag number she one. She didn't say it with a question mark. She said it with an explanation. Yeah, was, Mackenzie yeah. just did that. Rule no. number one is never read something out loud. That wasn't a real language. That's the difference. <laughs> Izzy, you should have learned this from the mummy. We watched this way too many times. Okay, well, um, here's my defense, because I'm not going to accept responsibility either. Uh, we, know, we know it didn't work because nothing happened to Crowley. So, <laughs> so lesson here, don't le- read something out loud in, the, in another language unless you have an actual translation or translator. And even then still be skeptical they could be a part of your grandma's cult yeah maybe don't (laughs) um the idea is that the god paimon whatever he is was there moving the stuff um and then when she drank the tea it helped attach him to her and therefore she could take it home and do the seance at her own house um and all that jazz yeah but it was already like with her kind of because uh when she the whole reason she like yeah never mind i confused that but yeah she goes home and then she like her paint falls over onto the stuff and that's when she like really digs into the seance stuff and they think that was Mm -hmm. the entity also guiding her to do that so she done did it she stepped in it now she sure did (laughs) uh this entity so it follows annie home as heard by the click in her car that she hears so it's like that the her daughter's click the i don't I, you can't hear it the mic through the microphone no, but you know, it. it's there i got it okay yeah. can some <laughs> but, people not do that because i read that they were like oh yeah she had to millie had to learn how to do that well dude andy the uh, other day andy came up to me and he's like click your tongue and i was like what and he goes click your tongue so i clicked my tongue and he's like when, when was the last time you did that and I thought about it. I was like, I have no fucking idea. Like, I, I, I don't I don't know. Last time I was impersonating a clock. 
Okay, yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but it it does like thinking about it when he did ask me, it felt weird to click my tongue and like do that. Just at the time. And so I don't I don't know. Every listener is clicking their tongue right now. <laughs> right, exactly. They're like, I did it right now. Um <laughs> So she hears that in her car, and that evening she has a nightmare that starts out kind of like Ron and Harry following the spiders out of Hogwarts. You know, don't follow. Why does it have to be spiders? Why can't it be follow the butterflies? But instead of following the the spiders, it's uh, crazy old Annie and a trail of ants leading to her dead son's face. Um, and when she wakes up and walks into Peter's room... Uh, she starts saying all the awful things like her mother forced her to have him and she tried so hard to have a miscarriage. But kind of like Inception, it was a dream within a dream and she wakes up and instead it is Annie waking up Peter from some crazy dream because she's now convinced that she is a medium and she can bring Charlie back to life. And yeah, huzzah. She gets really <laughs> She gets really juiced up from here on out. Yeah, this mm -hmm. is where her like <laughs> clinical side just like flies out the window. <laughs> right. <laughs> she... See what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I didn't even write that. That was just fresh. <laughs> Good job. Uh, yeah, but this is where like the possession stuff like really kicks off for poor Peter, uh, which is why. Yeah. She had to say the spell with the whole family present in the house because obviously it's really for Peter. It's not for her or for Charlie. And um, there's actually, this is like a random side note that I found, but there's a lot of different rituals associated with ants. It's called, uh, I'm going to butcher this too because it's a more than three syllable word, uh, mermomancy. And oh, oh yeah, Mur murmurology is the study of ants. Oh, which I learned in that movie I saw by myself yesterday. <laughs> oh, okay. It was <laughs> destined awesome. to be <laughs> random. Also, side note: a person who likes, who was turned on by the sound of like bees. It's a called a Melissa ophile. Learned that at trivia night. Turned on at like oh by God. bees by yeah. the sound of bees. Yeah. That's fucking weird. Thing weird. To be turned on by. There's a right. whole. It takes all kinds. Oh, there's a whole Grey's Anatomy episode, so it has to be true. <laughs> if it's on Grey's Anatomy, you it's, know it's you know it's real. It's happened. <laughs> uh, but different cultures use different techniques to divine information from ants, including setting sacrifices on ant hills, paying attention to their habits, um, and trying to glean things from the future based off the way they burrow and stuff like that. Which is why. Hmm. There was ants climbing all over the head of Charlie. That makes sense. Oh, okay. Uh, they do the seance where she thinks, or at least what she thinks is a seance, and a whole bunch of spooky shit happens. It makes her think that Charlie has returned, but all that she really did was push her husband further uh, away and scare her son more. And invite so, isolation. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which Aster says this whole thing was a plot to get her to actually invite the thing into Peter. And I'm not sure if this is true or not, but others think that when Annie has her little, like, possessed moment, um, it's the real displaced Charlie talking through her. Uh, no one has confirmed or denied that. 
Um, but this is when another random word appears in the house, and it's life toach pandemonium. And I'm pretty sure this is just a play on Life Touch, the photo group that goes to schools, because it's just absolute pandemonium on photo day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and according to Aster himself, this means open up chaos or hell is an alternate word for chaos. And that also describes photo day at school for all adults. It does. It does. <laughs> um, but I'm sure what they were really going for is that pandemonium is used to reference hell in the old book poem, uh, Paradise Lost. It's what Lucifer called the place where those who fell from grace went. And this is also included in invocations or spells to summon, summon not good things, so things that come from hell. Uh, life touch is Hebrew for to open, unlock, or turn on. So it's weird that he, like, actually Hebrew is included in a lot of, the language itself is included in a lot of, like, rituals and mystic arts, which probably doesn't help with how much they've been, like, persecuted throughout history. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, like you were saying, it's magic religion, so. <laughs> mystic at uh, least right so well after this peter uh really starts like falling apart um as the entity kind of moves on like in it and annie seemingly only gets worse having the to accept that she has lost charlie and can't bring her back but on top of it is losing her son and her husband too so all that pressure is kind of causing her to snap and like trash all of her miniatures that she's worked so hard on um all the ones that are just about her daughter's death, essentially, at this point. Yeah. Well, and she, like, recreates her daughter's death, obviously, like, trying to get through it. And her husband's like, what the fuck? Uh, most yeah, of the tiny little head. She's, like, painting the blood spatter off the pole. And yeah, like, that was a little fucked up. He's like, no one wants to see this. And she was like, I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go make some tea. Yeah. <laughs> They all hmm. grieve differently. <laughs> Some yeah, I mean, I guess worse than others. She has an outlet, so there, I guess. I'm sure that's not what the uh, yeah. people were expecting for her showcase to be about. <laughs> but... No shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she was like, yeah, I'm working on a preschool scene. And instead they get like a headless daughter in a car. <laughs> yep. Uh, most unsettling is one of the minis that survives is peter laying in his bed headless no big deal it's fine we're all normal um, here so one of the things that i read in one of the articles that i looked at was uh the theory that um a demon moves between bodies via decapitation which is also why at the end everyone's decapitated like it, it can come in there but then to, in order to get out of that body it has to be released so that's why the daughter was decapitated that's why the piano wire situation has to happen huh. yeah lots of decapitation and that has something to do with the spirit with the demon moving from host to host there's i have some other ideas about the decapitate the decapitations <laughs> the decapitations <laughs> Uh, the headlessness later. Um, 
But that is an interesting idea. The only reason I wouldn't agree with that is if you accept that it had been placed in Annie and then moved to Charlie, or if it had been placed in the sun. He wasn't necessarily decapitated, unless they did it afterwards, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Or Grandma. Well, the movie ends with it in him. But, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. her brother, the one that committed suicide. Um, oh. oh, the hanging. The hanging, yeah. yeah. But it yeah. also could have been that he killed himself before the ritual was complete, so that's why it didn't have to completely evacuate that way. So, I don't yeah. Know, I, yeah, there's there's some other ideas, but that's an interesting. Either way, that's an upsetting one. Yeah, it's very upsetting. Yeah, <laughs> either way, it's a, some it's a very creepy theme, and well, especially I if love you it. consider that the head is kind of what makes the person right, because that's where you're memories and yeah. your brain and everything is kept so mm-hmm. yeah otherwise you're just the vessel the vessel um boom <laughs> solved it end uh, it now yeah we're done <laughs> <laughs> cut click we're done um so this is really not looking good because annie later finds charlie's drawing like her drawing book with fresh sketches of peter's head with x's over the eyes and Annie knows that that's not a good sign and tries to burn the book. Uh, when she tosses it into the fire, her sleeves her her sleeve ends up ended up, mm, her sleeve ends up catching fire instead. And it turns out there is a protection spell or something that is uh, currently going on with that. What an unfortunate way to find out. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I, I keep getting yelled at by Vax. Um, Push the same through. night. Pe- yeah. The same night Peter has a dream that someone is trying to pull his head off while he lies in bed. And when he wakes up, his mother's in his room, so he automatically just assumes it was her. And uh and That's and fair. Yeah. Thinks, That's yeah, thanks to her sleepwalking history and all that, like I I would instantly jump to that conclusion she's too. She's clearly fallen off some sort of deep end, so You tried mm-hmm. to burn me. Now you're trying to pull my head off. Like Mm. Uh, unfortunately Peter's day doesn't go or get any better because while at school Joan ends up showing up and shouts at him from across the street she says I expel you Sutany now this is where I'm going to start saying things out loud that I shouldn't Uh, (laughs) I expel you Sutany Dagdany a paragon I think I said that right um, did I say it with a question mark? I hope a, par- a paragon. <laughs> um, <laughs> and at this point, uh, we know that she's a part of the cult because Annie had been in her apartment that day for helping kind of ditch the ghost she conjured, only to find an alter entity uh, made of Charlie's Frankenstein toys and the triangle on the floor. So they were able to con- conjure it whether she liked it or not. And. We know that Joan is trying to kick Peter out of the vessel, which is why she says, Satoni. 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 And so we've covered what that means. Um, I couldn't find shit for Dag Danny. There's some people with that last name, though. Um, hmm. But um, I did find that Dag is a prefix meaning uh, good. So I don't know if that's what that was supposed to be part of. Um, And then a paragon, 
there's a definition in Webster's Dictionary that says it's when it's used as a verb, it is to compare, to put into rivalry, or to surpass. Um, so in the Netflix show Midnight Club, a Flanniverse show if no one's ever seen it, there's a cult mm-hmm. called Paragon, which invoked Greek goddesses in large sacrificial things for their healing or whatever the hell they were trying to do. Um, I found references to people calling, or to, to things called Paragon Hags, which were witches that performed necromancy magic. Sorry. <laughs> Um, to raise kings from the dead but it turns out that that was just part of a role-playing game that's kind of like D&D it wasn't actually real but it sounded pretty legit and it fits the theme so I'm going with it go with it (laughs) Uh, but I ultimately I think that the paragon part is part of the like summoning and sacrifice thing Um, but I'd like to think that maybe she was saying hey go away Leave the good guy alone and make him a king. So there you go. That's that's what she was saying. Mm-hmm. Or she was trying to get him out, get the cast the good out of him because their yeah. end goal is to please Satan. It has nothing to do with goodness. Yeah, the real was... the real storyline is that they were trying to expel Peter, make room for the entity. And pull them in. So. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah, that, just not I, the happy ending I wanted. Yeah, I read something <laughs> on Reddit that was talking about how she was shouting the spell to cast Peter's spirit out so Pinom can enter his body, but um, that happens later on when Peter does his thing. So, <laughs> the chances are... Oh. Okay. <laughs> um... <laughs> I wasn't expecting that to disappear all of a sudden. <clears throat> it was a. Uh, it was, ended up kind of being a good thing that she was shouting this because Annie ended up going home and finding finds bad things among among all of her mother's stuff because she finally decides to kind of go through some of it. Uh, she finds a photo album with pictures of her mother with the cult, including Joan. So, finds out there. There's also a photo of a ceremony with Annie uh, Annie's family portrait in the middle of it. So you know that probably wasn't a good thing for her family. Um, And she also finds a book that is conveniently explaining everything. Every little thing that is currently happening to her. (laughs) Because that happens in lots of horror movies. It's like when an evil guy in a superhero movie starts laying out their whole plan. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just telling all of it. Uh, So we'll go into, like, a little bit more greater detail about the history of the uh, ritual and the cult specifically um, after once we, like, wrap up this film part, which is coming up soon, I promise. Um, (laughs) But a lot of detail in it. There's so much inside of this movie itself. Yeah, you picked a long one. It's a good one. It's a good one. one. Yeah, that's what makes it fun is there's so much to dissect. Sometimes we do movies and I'm like, I have nothing to say about this movie. There was yeah, there yeah. was nothing special. <laughs> um, but anyways, the book describes a ritual about invoking King Paimon, the god of mischief, and the book has an image of him on a horse with three heads hanging from the saddle. And it says that King Paimon will possess the most vulnerable host, so you have to like break down your host first, which is why they kind of do like this haunting cult shit to people. Um, only when the ritual is complete will King Paimon be locked into his ordained host, and once locked in, a new ritual is required to unlock the procession. 
and which we see all stages of that throughout this film. It goes on to say that the possession ritual makes no mention of his face, but other documentation describes him as having a woman's face, but he is referred to strictly with masculine pronouns. So he looks good, but he's a man. That's what they're saying. Hmm. He's pretty. <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> it's just a I feel like man. that kind of goes that kind of goes back to to Charlie herself who says she should be a boy but she wants to feel more feminine so she has a female face and everything but the yeah. the entity inside of her is trying, is is masculine. That's just the patriarchy yeah. trying to tell this entity that it needs to pick one or the other. It can't just flow. Maybe he wouldn't be in <laughs> hell if God would just let him be. <laughs> I like that theory. Yeah, if you read about, like, even in, um, this is kind of a side note, but even in Paradise Lost, uh, they kind of make Satan seem like not such an evil person because it goes into detail about his fall from grace and the people that followed him. And it's really just that he was more about freedom than the typical God ideals, um, which is also like we've talked about before, but like the satanic religion, it's just a lot of talking about like freedom and sexual release freedom and not anything negative or bad specifically, just mm-hmm. being who you are and being okay with it. So that could be that, you know, he just felt trapped. <laughs> he was evil. We, we all know it. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. If he wasn't decapitating people, <laughs> then we could be on his side, I guess. <laughs> I, shouldn't, I shouldn't validate a decapitator, a serial killer, I think. <laughs> Uh, But anyways, it goes on. Um, As a result, the sexes of the hosts have varied, but the most successful incarnations have been with men and has been known to become livid and vengeful when offered a female host. Later pages show images of the conjurer sitting on like piles of gold uh, as a way of saying that if you build a relationship with Paimon, he is willing to grant you gifts if you ask your questions appropriately. Uh, But yeah, that's pretty much what they show in the film as the ritual seems straightforward (laughs) (laughs) right annie also ends up finding her mother's rotting and decapitated corpse in her attic underneath the symbol of the cult on the wall so no big deal now you're just finding your rotting the rotting corpse of your mom it's normal right yeah (laughs) i keep lots of them in the attic dude is that not normal (laughs) Man, I thought people kept him in the closet, but, you know, attic works. I wonder <laughs> if the cult, like, covered up all of this stuff afterwards. Or if Paimon just, like, snapped his fingers and it all went away. This never happened. Yeah. Like, forensically? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, all of it. Because this whole family would have just, like, stopped showing up to stuff, potentially. Yeah. yeah they should make a part two with the aftermath. Explanations. I feel like Payman would have just snapped his fingers and done something. Let's be honest. There was probably like some sort of judge or senator as part of this cult who would have just like brushed it under the rug anyways. So these are not the droids you are looking for. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, The symbol is also embroidered into the white dress that the corpse was left in. And... Meanwhile, while this is happening, Peter's at school, because that's where he should be after a possession happens, I guess. 
Um, but this time his school, his teacher is talking about the great king Agamemnon and the sacrifices of his daughter Iphigenia. Might have been her name. I'm going to call her Gina because I'm not saying that name again. <laughs> Don't worry, I got this. Uh, I think it's Iphigenia, but whatever. Uh, so the myth is that King Ab- Agamemnon's fleet on its way to Troy was deploying to Troy, but it got caught at the bay by some strong winds that the goddess Artemis had kicked off. Um, so Gina was sacrificed to appease the goddess Artemis, and that's what happened. That's the whole story, basically. Um, and then the winds died down, and he went to Troy, and they all lost anyways. Uh, it's, but- it's, inf- it's Infinigia? Uh, Iphigenia is what it is, just, just so you know. It's Gina, all right? We're it's best friends. Gina. I shortened it. Gina, that's her nickname. It just... Now, now it just has the face of Gina that I know. <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Gina. That's her. Um, so yes. Artemis was a favorite goddess among Greeks. Her character and function varied greatly from place to place. But for the most part, she was the goddess of nature. She danced a lot, usually was accompanied by nymphs in mountains, forests, marshes, all that jazz. She was like the huntress. Uh, mm-hmm. So why would... They need to sacrifice to Artemis if they're trying to go to war at sea. And the answer is because Agamemnon had angered Artemis by killing a sacred deer. And pretty much the man fucked up doing something he thought was super manly and the woman paid for it. Um, But it's just basically meant to be a background ambiance of the sacrificing of Peter. So Makes sense. So, clearly Peter's having a hard time. Um, I can only imagine everybody would be and have a hard time with this. But while at school, he had a dream or something which caused him to slash his face, uh, like into or smash his face into his desk, which breaks his own nose. Um, so his dad takes him home, where he finds Annie absolutely manic, trying to explain everything that's going on. Just. And everybody trusts anybody who's being manic at the time, right? That's that's normal. She was it hysterical. Didn't... Could you describe it properly? Right. Yeah. That's the proper word. Yeah. Uh, didn't he see, like, the little glowy, glittery things that are supposed to be demon or, like, the demon or whatever? And that's what kind of made him go crazy and smash his face? Yeah. He... I, I think so, yeah. That's part of... I think that was the first thing he saw. And then he, like his body got controlled um, and his hand like went up and got crooked and he was like frozen and then he smashed his face. Mm-hmm. But I think so it was another thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, another thing that I've noticed about when he does the hand thing and he smashes his face, that was the same position his sister was in and his face is smashed in the same way that you see the head later on when it's covered in ants. Like, one of his eyes is swollen shut. His nose is fucked up. His lip is kind of sneered. Uh, yeah. It's, it's supposed to be mirroring his sister in her, like, death pose. That's that so interesting. It's an extra layer That's of gross. creepy. <laughs> I yeah. know. I fucking love it. Yeah, it's that attention <laughs> to detail that we love to see in movies. Love to see it. So much. So, uh... 
Annie tries to sacrifice herself to save Peter by having the book burned, but obviously it doesn't work. And instead, her husband burns to death. Um, it's the so god what's... of mischief. He don't give yeah. a fuck. <laughs> Peter gotcha. ends up... <laughs> uh, Peter wakes up from his pain med nap and wander wanders down the hall to find his crispy dad's body. No At first, deal. I was Just... like, how did he not smell that? But then I remembered his nose was broken and swollen and fucked Yeah. Up. Yeah, there's... <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you can smell out of a broken nose. Well, where um, are the smoke detectors in that house? Yeah. Damn. My smoke detector goes off if I cook steak. Like, <laughs> mine's simple. Right? The, right? <laughs> the god of mischief already handled that. Annie was crawling on ceilings. She disconnected them, moved on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, why she was on the Yeah, <laughs> That's why she was there. <laughs> the only reason. But yeah, so Annie now is crawling on ceilings, totally possessed by something. And uh, there's this random, there's the these random naked people just standing around the house now. Um, and if I were neighbors seeing that, I'd be like, oh, what the fuck is going on? I'm calling the cops. There's some. I have FOMO, so I'd be like, why wasn't I invited? <laughs> I'm going to go. <laughs> you start running out of the house, taking off your clothes like, I'm coming. Pretty much. You guys having a barbecue? Yeah. Why wasn't I invited? <laughs> Can I join? You might have burned your barbecue, but it's okay. I'll bring some barbecue sauce. It's fine. It's fine. Everything will be great. Uh, but yeah, um, the, the naked old people around the house is one of the more disturbing parts of this movie. I feel like naked Very. old people are just pretty disturbing. <laughs> and when you throw it in a horror film, it's just escalated. Yeah, it's definitely hit a peak where you just can't turn back. I don't know. It's like midsummer like, where you get smiling. comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as a teenager, yeah. you're taught naked old people just want to do bad things to you. So that's just even creepier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Peter decides to hide in the attic, which has been lit with tons of cere ceremonial candles. Um, fire hazard. <laughs> and They're Annie's perfectly, <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah. Uh, Annie's perfectly normal response is to bang her head against the door in an attempt to get in. She does um, it so fast. Uh, yeah, dude. I hate that part. It's so creepy. And by hate, I mean love. It's so creepy. You hate I, it in all the best ways. When mm -hmm. re when we wow when rewatching it, it, I don't know if you guys have seen the new uh, the new movie Talk to Me. I think it's called. Um, oh, with the hand. Just, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to spoil this if you haven't seen it, but there's a part that fucking I was not prepared for. I had no idea it was happening in the movie, and um, it kind of reminded me of that. So This, this oh, part's God. like eating like super spicy hot wings and being like, I want to stop, but it also tastes so good, and I can't stop, but it burns. Yeah. That's what this part <laughs> of the movie is like. Totally. <laughs> It's, it's bad for me, but I love it. Yes. Right. You're like, I'm going right. to pay for this later, but it's so good right now. It's going to be the ring of fire later, but that's fine. You're, uh, you cut out a little bit, but that's okay. Just keep going. Because my husband's home and he's probably getting on the video games and taking my internet. What Rude. a selfish prick. No, I'm just kidding. Let's decapitate him. Yes. Do you have an attic? <laughs> No, but I do have vaulted ceilings. 
but you do have people <laughs> who live above you. It's basically the same thing. It's even better. I'm 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 the top floor. The roof. I have a ceiling. Perfect. Does it have a water <laughs> tower? I've heard that works no. great for hiding yeah. bodies. <laughs> Jesus. You have cats. Uh, They'll take care of it. Just leave them out. Cats and dogs. They'll both eat them. It's yeah, fine. It's fine. Don't mind the spell. Don't mind the spell. Smell. It's just the cat box haven't been cleaned in months. It's cool. There you go. Perfect. Uh, oh. Anyways, <laughs> Peter finds a sawdust or uh, yeah, a sawdust body outline where his grandma kind of used to be, um, but also without a head, and his picture with the eyes xed out. So he finds all of that. Um, to be honest, the most unbelievable part of this whole movie is how undisturbed by all the flies he is. He, like, yeah. doesn't swat at them once. He's just totally okay with it. I think the most unrealistic part is how clean their attic is. Oh, that's true. <laughs> There's nothing in the attic. Yeah. Well, the cultists have been cleaning it, you know? They can't leave grandma in a dirty attic. The only time you find it's nothing in the attic, attic it's, it's sinister, and you find the one single box with the fucking tape player and all the tapes, and you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the stolen artwork. Yeah, yeah. The million dollar painting. Mm -hmm. um, Find out grandma was a Nazi. <laughs> she did. You know what? She might have been, and that's why she had Hercules powder. So, who knows? You never know. Oh, <laughs> okay. Timing's right. God. <laughs> uh, so, Annie ends up getting into the attic where she floats and starts cutting her own head off with a pottery wire thing. It's um, it's to cut the, the clay. It's the wire that cuts the clay clean, but she decides she's going to use it on herself. Her eyes are so, like, you can tell her eyes inside. She's like, what am I doing? I'm horrified, which is so yeah. great. She does such a great yeah. job. Again, so Tony Clary. She's fucking great. That's another uh, I originally where you're like, please turn the camera away, but you he keeps it on it so long mm -hmm. yeah it lingers it's so freaky i originally saw this in the theater with a couple friends and they went home and I, it was like in the summertime they had their air conditioner on and i guess their air conditioner makes a noise that's like eh, eh, nope. eh, oh god <laughs> i would have i would have like that i'm moving <laughs> I am moving. We're going to sweat all night long. We are turning this off. I hate it. Fuck <laughs> <Like> this place. <laughs> it's okay. So, Sweating is cleansing. So you would have gotten rid of the demon that way anyways. Exactly. Maybe. He doesn't like to be hot. So <laughs> He's like, I just left hell. I don't want to do it here. Yeah. I'm sleeping outside. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, of course, uh, this leads to more naked people in the attic now. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> like that segue. <laughs> and and uh, Peter ends up jumping or falling through the attic window. Uh, I did read a Reddit piece that said, um, when Peter falls out of the window, you can see a dark shadow, a.k.a. Peter's soul, leave his body. And a light, which is the bitch ass, as, as uh, Whammy Wibby puts it in... Uh, Reddit, um, the bitch-ass Paymon uh, enters the body and possesses him. Nah, dog. It's the shadow of the mom floating over him. It's not the soul. But it's okay. Uh, he's not the only person who thought that, so it's okay. Uh, yeah, that's fair. 
that was just one thing that I read really quickly before we started. Um, I mean, I thought that too until it shows the mom floating over, and I was like, oh, okay, it's just the body. Right. <clears throat> so he jumps or falls through the attic window. He dies on impact, and Paimon moves in on his body. Um, Annie's headless body floats out of the window and into the treehouse. And Peter does that clicking thing as proof that he is officially possessed. And on an even sadder note, or I'm sorry, on, a, on an even sadder note, uh, the dog is dead in the lawn. It um, is a much sadder note. I'm, <laughs> I'm one of those okay. people that, like, I don't give a, f I honestly, like, don't give a fuck if people die in a movie. But the minute you, like, the dog gets hurt, the animals die, like, I'm, 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 I'm losing it. I'm fucking out. Well, the dog has to die. It would just be a distraction it well, could, and, and, for the viewer. Yeah. It could sense when the entity thing was doing stuff to Charlie. Because it was standing outside the door when they like tried to pull off the head, that thing. And it was breaking yeah. like crazy. And then the door slams closed. So it mm. could obviously we, sense it. But. We recently did this discussion on radio from on my, on my show, Radio From Hell, about uh, when you first believed in ghosts. And people were always talking about like their dogs and how dogs have that sense. And I've always lived by the sense of if my dog's not going into a place because they react funny... I'm not going into that place because clearly there's something wrong with it. Just like at The Conjuring, trust your animals. Kitty yeah. is currently that dog wouldn't the have demon hidden in the attic. my closet, so it's okay. Fine. Oh, yes, she, she has is. her eyes on it. It's good. You're safe. <laughs> <It's> good. <laughs> <laughs> I do also have to say that I really like the way <laughs> it's just kind of like tender and silent and it kind of makes me laugh in horror a little bit. But the way that her headless body like floats over and up through the treehouse. It's, it's kind it's of like Peter it Pan. It strikes me as a little bit silly. Yeah. When they jump Peter out Pan. of the house, yeah. they all go down and then up. Because she's going to live forever. She's, she's never Why? getting old. Yeah. Like, did they all float up that? Peter had to climb up the ladder. I know. And he didn't get to float. Peter, he's a man. All those naked people. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, <laughs> He's supposed to be stronger and faster, so he doesn't get a, a handicap like flying. <laughs> the preferred host. <laughs> um, all those naked people that were up in the, <clears throat> sorry, in the attic, I just picture them like while he's face down in the dirt, just running down the stairs and like running up there to try and beat him to like kneel. <laughs> in God. position. Yeah, they're all like sweaty <laughs> and their bodies just like slipping while they <laughs> lay down. And they're all naked old people, so they're just kind of... I don't want to see them running around, necessarily. Jelly penises flopping everywhere. Them so saggy boobs are just hanging. We're really painting a great yeah. picture for right now. Yeah, I really hope everybody envisioned <laughs> that. Um, so like we said, Peter walks to the treehouse, uh, and he finds the naked cult inside, bowing to a figure topped with Charlie's head and a crown. Um, and at the front of or at the front is the headless grandma and Annie who is also bowing so there's a whole lot of headless planning. bodies yeah. yeah lots of posing yeah um and it would t they 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 had to all have floated up because how could you hoist a body up those little ladder steps well Annie we know did um 
Mm-hmm. The only ones that are headless are Annie and Grandma. And mm-hmm. Grandma's a rotting corpse. They could have just roped her up. <laughs> but just don't, we also have, don't we also have Steve the husband, the burned body up there? I don't think... Is he up there? I don't think he was. He was okay. just like a side note. <laughs> I don't Casualty. Know. Yeah. They were like, I don't know what to do with Steven. Let's burn him. I don't... He's done. It's okay. He it wasn't a big of part of this movie anyways. No. Like the dog, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. God. Uh, the uh, picture of Paimon in the book, he had three heads hanging from his little horse saddle thing. Um, mm-hmm. And so in this ritual, there were three decapitated women at different points in their life cycle, i.e. alive or not alive. And all are present at the ritual. So you've got Charlie's head, Grandma, and Annie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was part of the decapitation ritual thing, is Paimon, like you said, it requires it for some reason. Uh, they really kept that close to the chest. They were like, we don't want anybody else trying to mimic this. <laughs> so we won't tell you why yeah. we had to decapitate three people. Uh, and then... The staff that the figure is holding, if you look at it really closely, the top of it is a hand that's going like this, which is exactly mm-hmm. what happened to Peter in the classroom. Yeah. Ooh. And like you cool. said, it looks like uh, Charlie. Yeah. Um, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got for that part. But so, <laughs> so they put the crown on Peter's head and like uh, the May Queen in Midsummer, and Joan says, it's okay, Charlie. You're Paimon, one of the eight kings of hell. Something else that included, look to Northwest, uh, correct female body, reject Trinity, give knowledge, honor, wealth, good family, and the final line, bind men to their will. So I think we figured out what they were really trying to do. Because it was a matriarchy, yeah. so they wanted to control men, but for mm-hmm. some reason they pulled in a masculine entity. <laughs> so, who knows? Yeah. Uh, huh. Yeah. The end scene mimics the same way that Charlie's characters, her little Frankenstein toys, were lined up. Uh, they were all bowing to a figure that had the pigeon's head attached to it, which yep. is just like her head being attached to whatever the figure was that they were looking at. So also, like, about the men and the women thing, like, women are the ones who create life, so they mm. they would be responsible for creating the king, the king of hell or whatever, mm-hmm. and men are, you know, the ones who rule. So I can see how it would be the women who who make all of this happen, but in the end, it's the man who is required to be the ruler well and how many men can get into that detail and follow through with it right so (laughs) (laughs) touche um but does make a good point like i wonder they don't really go into detail about the cults at all uh Mm -mm. just that grammy was the queen of the matriarch of it at first and then it passed on to joan uh so i wonder if a man had done it if 
it would have had the same result or if it's just whoever specifically conjures them gets to use them for whatever i don't know i don't know mm. that could be described in movie two <laughs> so no i don't <laughs> think he'll he's not the one to do those kind of things i bet there's um no. some like fan fiction out there there's always fan fiction of something. It's probably not mm-hmm. on the part of the internet that I want to go to, to be honest. No. No, I don't want to dig for that, personally. I uh, don't want that on my computer. <laughs> <laughs> then, so basically, that's the movie. That's how it ends. Yep. Um, it's, like, it's like a good, complete ending, but also you're left with so many questions. Yeah. Like, I bet I, most people had to Google it after to figure out what the fuck happened at the end. Because it yeah, happens yeah. really fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and it, like, I had to, I Googled it and then I rewatched it again just to, like, catch everything. Because I missed so much in the first watching of it. I, mm-hmm. I could, I didn't connect the things. I was like, what the fuck? I don't understand any of this. And I knew people that were like, this is the dumbest fucking movie. I'm never watching it again. And I was like, you have to fucking, like, think about this movie and and get into the depth of it and understand it. And it's I, not, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's not a classic horror where there's, like, a clear evil thing that's defeatable. It's family trauma, and people don't want to see that. People don't want to deal with yeah. that. So. Yeah. Yeah. That really is the underlying trauma, mental illness. And that's not shit that can be wrapped up with a neat little bow. Nope. I love this movie. It's I so it's good. Perfect. It was great. Um, so I do have a few more notes that just to kind of close out the research end of this. And I'll try and go through it mm-hmm. kind of fast because we've <laughs> hit quite the time limit. <laughs> we sure have. But it's um, worth it. This movie has so much damn detail in it. But mm-hmm. feel free to continue to interrupt and add any additional ideas. So uh, first we'll talk about the cult of Paimon. So the cult and demon featured in this movie is Paimon, as we've discussed. They are based on a controversial grimoire called, I don't know why it's controversial other than it's a grimoire, called the Goetia, Goetia, don't know, the lesser key of Solomon the king. Uh, the There's different versions of it. It's been rewritten by a few different kinds of people. Um, the title even is different in some places, but essentially Paimon is the ninth spirit in this book in the first order of the demons of hell and is very obedient to lucifer he takes on the appearance of a man and is a master of arts the science and all secret things the uh, i'm sorry like most demons he demands a sacrifice when summoned and must be treated with dignity he also has 200 lesser spirits under his control and is partially on the side of the angels which he's kind of an angel so i guess that makes sense um, there is not any actual mention of requiring a male form in the text. That was all just liberties that uh, Aster picked up for the film. Mm. And because I am who I am, I took note of who the <laughs> other eight were above him. You sure did. <laughs> so these are pulled from the text. You can get it. There's a free PDF online. So I went ahead and read the first 15 pages of it. This um, is why it's called Horror Cats and Witch Hats. <laughs> this is why all of our episodes last forever. <laughs> I yeah, it's stop. all the cat interruptions. Uh, so number one is Bale. I'll allow it. <laughs> the, the, 
he's the first principal spirit. Um, I'm going to read it in the way that they wrote it. Okay. He maketh thee go. I'm sorry. He maketh thee to go invisible. He ruleth over 66 legions of infernal spirits. He appeareth in diverse shapes, sometimes like a cat, sometimes like a toad, and sometimes like a man, and sometimes all these forms at once. He speaketh hoarsely. That's how they describe him. A cat, a toad, and a man. Oh, just wait. They all are like the exact same, but slightly different. Uh, Number two (laughs) is because they just like didn't have the creativity or the time. There's 72 of these fuckers. So you know. Jesus fuck. By after the fourth Are you listing all of them? No, I'm just listing the eight above Paima. Yes. (laughs) For the next seven hours, we will be discussing the 72 demons. Did you want to sleep tonight? Because you're not sleeping tonight. (laughs) But you know, after like the fourth one, someone was just like, fuck it. I am just copying and editing all of these and changing some of the words. Yeah. It's it's the changing your copied homework to turn it into the teacher, but it doesn't look like your friend's homework. Exactly. Um, I just like the way they describe some of them. So uh, Gary's is, let's see, he is under the power of the East and cometh up in the form of an old fair man riding upon a crocodile, carrying a goshawk, I don't know what that is, upon his fist and yet mild in appearance. So he's coming at you as a crocodile, but he's mild in appearance. He maketh them to run. A goshawk is a bird, by the way. I, oh. It's a a, interesting bird. Um, Yeah. He maketh them to run that stand still and bringeth back runaways. He teaches. Okay, so he's a slave catcher. Got it. Okay. Visajo. (laughs) Um, uh, Being of the same nature as a Garrett. So they didn't even make it to three before they were like, fuck it, I'm bored with this. The spirit is of good nature, and his office is to declare things past and to come and to discover all things hid or lost. And then they copied that line into every other one after this. That's pretty much it. The rest are the same thing. Um, let's see, number four, I just want to read the description for this one, is different names. Um, but he appeareth in the form of a little horse or ass, and then into human shape doth he change himself at the request of the master. He speaketh with a hoarse voice. And then it just goes on like that for like 152 pages. (laughs) I like that it calls him an ass. Oh, this one has a shape of a lion with the ass's head. Valifor 6. That's interesting. Ooh, fun. Um, Paimon in this grouping actually has the longest explanation, although it doesn't say anything new or different of the 72. Um, But this book also goes on to explain that the triangles are considered the magic triangle. And these were used by Solomon to command the evil spirits. So he would summon them into the triangle, and then that's where he could control them. So that might be what's going on in Joan and Granny, Granny's room. Okay. Yeah. And so this is where Crowley comes in to more detail. Um, Oh, the other thing, it does talk about colors, and it only talks about three colors very specifically. It talks about yellow, which is... Uh, the color of the crown and happens a lot in this film talks about the color red which is Charlie's sweatshirt and it pops up in a few other places the fire the lighting all that jazz Um, and then it talks about blue and green which make teal no blue and green make yellow but it's a tealish color whatever no 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 no. yellow and blue make green green (laughs) that doesn't make yellow (laughs) 
You're right. I don't know. I don't Yellow's know a primary. Colors. I don't know. What <laughs> Clearly, I don't know my colors. It's late. I, got, um, I, I got you. You're but good. anyways, blue and green make like a teal color. And that color mm-hmm. is also featured in this film a few times when uh, Joan has interactions with Paimon. Like the paint, there's something else that's teal. Somebody mentioned, I don't know. But yeah, okay, so those colors sense. are also mentioned in that book. And he used them throughout the film. Cool. I like that. Uh, but yeah, so we will go into Crowley in more detail. Um, so the, f- he was one of the people who originally, uh, transcribed this book for the first cult that he was in. Um, but the following research was provided by an article in the Collider, which we'll link in our notes, but Paimon is rooted in the philosophy of the order of the golden dawn. And it's kind of a sect of the Freemason group. Um, Mm. But they were said to be more welcoming of women. So there's that, I guess. Uh, There's a theory that Joan mirrors one of their most infamous acolytes, which is Aleister Crowley, uh, because Crowley tried to deceive them when he first met them. And then some of the other stuff that he does is very Joan-esque. So Crowley was born in 1875 in Warwickshire, England. The man would one day self-identify as the Beast 666, just basically to say fuck you to anyone who believes in the Bible. And he grew up in a devout and wealthy family. Um, As a young man, he was a vast reader of occult texts. He was a student at Cambridge, and then he dropped out. Uh, And that's when he really started to hear about all the underground occult-like groups that he wanted to join. Um, But while also at Cambridge, he had the love of his life with a young man. And when that went south and his little black heart got broken, he wrote poetry about it in a little notebook that he kept in his pocket. And that poetry has since been um, put on display in some of the England English libraries, which is just a little weird to think about. Um, But it is said in some places that... Because of his bisexuality, he was kicked out of the Order of the Golden Dawn. I think it went beyond that because he was kind of fucked up. So they were kind of smart to kick him out. Uh, but the Golden Dawn, like I said, it was Freemasons. They did rituals and mystic stuff and yeah, all that nonsense. Um, so after which he called himself the Beast 666. That's when he kicked that off and he tried to open his own cults in different places throughout the world. Um, One of them is called Thelema. I think that was like his big one, which some places it's cited to have included torturing and sodomizing initiates. Um, The Wikipedia page didn't mention any of the dark shit, but talked about uh, just like that he was very, a lot of his rituals included like sex and stuff like that. Um, And at some point he was in charge of children like a classroom of children. And it says that he would just let them play all day and let them watch these sex rituals as part of their learning process. That's why I say he's got some deep-rooted issues. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, One of his religious, his personal religious beliefs or whatever uh, that has to do with the sex part, this is going to gross you out. But I just thought it would be a nice little addition. Um, was that uh, sex was like a sacrament. So 
they would consume sexual fluids as the Eucharist. And this was often <laughs> manifested as, quote unquote, the cakes of light, a biscuit containing either menstrual blood or a mixture of semen and vaginal fluids, um, which is Ew. kind of midsummery. He does mm-hmm. some of that blood yeah. magic stuff. Totally. The pubes and the, the food and stuff or whatever. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. He was also at one point, oh, never mind. I just repeated myself about the kids and the magic and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, he was not an all put together man. Uh, he did end up dying penniless in a boarding house at the age of 72. And I kind of hate that he lived that long, but I think he also tried to help the Nazis. So <laughs> there's that. Lovely. Yeah. Wouldn't put it past him. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what I could find about Paimon and the cult. Um, cool. Lovely. So the last thing I'm going to run through real quick is the miniatures in the house, because they actually put so much detail into them, and the movie does not do them justice. Uh, so the miniatures were built by Steve Newburn and his team at Applied Arts FX Studio. The miniatures were another way to show that the family was um, basically had no choice in what they were doing they were being treated like real life dolls basically and how it worked was Astor gave Newburn a list of themes that were meant to inform some of the models and then he just had to like create it in his head what he might have wanted boob one yeah oh god yeah yeah the first one we'll talk about really quickly is um the one that's in the entryway when they first walk into the house and uh, so this one is the idea that was given was the idea that the house is trapping its owner inside. So from Ari Aster's own words, this is what he said. The two miniature works in the foyer are pieces from Annie's last exhibition. And the model with that's in the entryway has windows that are all boarded up or aggressively obscured. The front door is like that of a bank safe and the attic window is boarded up to provide no light. The attic window has is specifically does not light up uh, because that's where Granny's body was situated, um, and the other room that does not light up is would have been where Charlie's room was. And he said that was deliberate. Uh, the next miniature okay. is the one at the base of the stairwell, and it shows three houses sinking below the ground as if in quicksand to hell. Aster and production designer Grace Young wanted to convey the message of time, so they featured architectural styles from different eras, including colonial, Victorian, and modern. And that one mm. is gorgeous. It's done so well. And you don't really even get to see it, like, in the movie. No, it slightly reminds me of Stranger Things, the uh, the Upside Down, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a good takeaway. Uh, the largest one they built was nine feet long, and it was the replica replica of the house that they lived in. And this was fully furnished to match the Park City studio sets used for filming, and the exteriors were based on a house in the area. Uh, and then they used that to make even larger models for filming. So that's where you see Grandma's boob, Granny standing in their bedroom doorway <laughs> for some reason, um, headless Peter, headless Charlie, all those things. Uh, the one that they spent the most time on was the uh, the preschool one. They said they put a ton of detail into that one because it was the first one they made. 
but then Ari went through and took stuff out because he needed it to look less put together because she was still like months away from her exhibition. But if uh, you notice, in the preschool, there is one hoodie hanging and it is red and it's meant to be Charlie's. Hmm. Interesting. And hmm. that's it. I'm wrapping it up. Um, so other movies to watch if you liked this movie. Inspirations for this film that Ari Aster listed in his Ask Me Anything Reddit. <laughs> was Don't Look Now, In the Bedroom, Rosemary Baby, Rosemary's Baby, The Ice Storm, Mm -hmm. um, Pal and Pressburger movies, Peter Greenaway movies, Personal Junk, etc. So if you can find Personal Junk, send it our way. Great. (laughs) He was asked what his favorite movie of all time was, and he said it's changing, but right now it's Sancho the Bailiff. I have never heard of that like that's something only a director would say (laughs) yeah right (laughs) some obscure movie that nobody's heard of yeah um so is this your favorite scary movie or favorite movie lucy mine yeah it's up there um i mean my favorite movies kind of come and go but uh yeah i've seen this one a lot of times so it's what it it always hits me differently if I haven't watched it for a while. So I'd say, yeah, in my top three scary movies for sure. Well, now you can wait another few years and then watch it again and look for all these cool things we just talked about. <laughs> yes, Anything you, you missed. <laughs> well, we went pretty in-depth. This was so cool. I've I've been wanting to, like, discuss this in particular with somebody. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a huge deal for us. We're so excited about this. So thank you. Thanks. Um, can I plug myself for a second? Please, yeah, yes, I was please. just going to say, go ahead and plug you. <laughs> if uh, anyone out there listening wants to check out my podcast, I co-host it with my two childhood best friends. It's called Wine and Crime. And we have a topic for each episode. Recently, we did... Um, We've done like shallow graves, cruise ship disappearances, blood spatter, stuff like that. And then we pair that topic with a wine. So you can find out more at wineandcrimepodcast.com. And we're on at wineandcrimepod on all the socials. Beautiful. And as totally not a bribe for coming on our show, uh, we're going to send you a blood spatter or it didn't happen blankie um, that we created as part of our merchandise. (laughs) That was we come cool. up with these we come up with these random things during show during some of our episodes that we we just decide to make uh, merch of because it's too funny to not like dead man's cherries yeah. things <laughs> like that that <laughs> people wouldn't understand unless you actually listen to the podcast. It's the best so. merch. Cool. Very Thank fun. you very much. Of course. But just to close out this episode, <clears throat> really quick. I thought I would include a poem from Alistair Crowley, and it's called The Red Lips of the Octopus. <laughs> I wish I could do like a yeah. good British accent. The red lips of the octopus are more than myriad stars at night. The great beast rise in fiercer form than thirsty stallions amorous. I would they clung to me and stung. I would they quenched me with delight. This is an octopus. This is so weird. The red lips of the octopus, they reek with poison of the sea, scarlet and hot and languorous. My skin drinks in their slaver warm, my sweats with rapt embrace excite. I'm pretty sure these are all about his 
high college lover too which is even yeah weirder. very erotic yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah this explains so much and then it just goes on and on uh, but then it ends with the red lips of the octopus. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That was that was a delight. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't know octopi had red lips, but... I hope it fills your dreams with beautiful things. <laughs> I'm going to have some dreams tonight, that's for sure. <laughs> a little decapitation, some naked old people. It's going to be it's great. A, we've had a very erotic episode. It's <laughs> it really a little weird, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you're snuggling with your hubbies and partners tonight, make sure you warm everybody up with some octopus lips in your dirty talk. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> will do. <laughs> and then... again, Annie or Lucy, thank you so so much for joining us. This is a huge deal for us, and we are so excited that you you came on and you joined us. And this was really fun. This was fun. Thank you again for having me. Real quick, um, Katie. I guess we mm. should plug ourselves. So yeah, yeah, we should. <laughs> um, you can uh, you can yeah. send us your next movie recommendations, cat stories, all that jazz to cat our, pictures. Yeah, our Instagram at horror underscore it? cats underscore witch hats, <laughs> and you can email us at horror cats and witch hats at G- no wait. Horrorcatswitchhats at gmail.com. I swear we know our shit. We need to pre-record it. Uh, I swear we're professionals. Um, this is this is why Lucy joined us, is so she can teach us how to be professional. <laughs> She's gonna round us up. It's taken us seven years, so <laughs> well, um, you've done great. But yeah, please Thanks. don't read any text aloud at home don't send us any curses and never read latin out loud and if you do end it with a question mark and maybe it won't happen yeah and on that note meow meow there you go i was trying to get it to catch it